Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Purpose Podcast. My name is Haas Rauscher. The goal of this podcast is to help men find and fulfill their purpose. I'm going to try to help them be good, strong leaders, good, strong men, good male role models in their community. I'm going to do that by having conversations. I'm going to invite guests on. I'm going to ask our guests, what is your purpose? What do you think your purpose ought to be? How did you find that purpose? And what do you do every single day? How do you get up, get after it, and go and fulfill that purpose? Our guest today is Mr. Nick Shelton. Nick is a husband. Nick is a coach. Nick is a friend. And most of all, Nick is a great man. Nick, how are you doing today? Doing good, Haas. How's it going, man? It's going really well. It's going really well. I get to uh, go on a three-day hunting expedition this weekend, so I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I know you are. You're always talking about hunting. So Yeah, yeah. I get to skip work tomorrow, so pull a little bit of PTO, and uh, I'm going to head out tomorrow. So, Nick, uh, let's get right into it. What is your purpose? My purpose is to lead others toward realizing their full potential. Lead others to realizing their full potential. I like that. You do that well. Um, well thanks. Yeah. Most people, then, when they come in here, they pick, they typically pick the things that they already do pretty well. So. Well, yeah, yeah. It's been it's been acquired over the years. So. Has it been acquired? That was going to be my next question. Did you kind of fall into that, or was that something that you found that you wanted to do, or? And you know, it it really stems back to when I was a kid um, in junior high and even in high school. I remember specifically there were some times where some of my friends would come up and they were going through a problem or, you know, whether it was dating girls back then or maybe it was with sports or whatever, whatever we had going on. And they would oftentimes leave the conversation saying, man, that really helped me get through whatever I'm going through. I appreciate your advice. So early on, I kind of had this innate desire to help people. Right. And you know, as I got older and into the professional world, I just naturally found myself coaching others, uh, not just in fitness, but towards realizing that their their full potential is you know untapped. Yes, sir. So I want to get back to that, but let's go ahead and hit our rapid fire questions for the audience, for cool. the people. Um, they demand the rapid fire, so we're going to do it. Uh, what is your favorite lift? Uh, favorite lift. So. I really like the Olympic lifts, clean and jerk, snatch, Okay, um, just because they're so technical. Yep. Yeah, I, I like those too, and I get a lot of shade from my uh, powerlifting buddies when I post on Snapchat, but uh, I, I like I like it too. I wish I could get down lower and, and do some of those things. I know we're, we're working on it, but um, I, I aspire to do a, a good squat snatch one day just because I think it would, it would make my numbers skyrocket. I mean, I can... I can jerk 172. I can I can push press 172, but I can barely clean like 145, 150, which is pretty. That that's a that seems like a pretty uh, mismatched type of thing. You know what I mean? Like totally. Well, it just takes time. Man. It yeah. takes time. Um, what is your favorite day of the week? Favorite day of the week. And I really do like Saturdays. It's it's similar to what Chase said on yeah. your podcast, but I really like Saturdays because. It's, it's my day to really get to do whatever I want. Generally, right. I don't have to work too much. So I get a lot of freedom, get to do some things I want to do. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. It's not Monday, but it's cool. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite book and why? Favorite book has to be, oh, this is tough. Favorite book has to probably be Relentless by Tim Grover. Yeah, that's not one you've recommended to me. You'll have to check it out. It's um, that's that's actually Michael Jordan's um, personal coach back when he played for the Bulls. Okay, uh, and he really helped Michael elevate his game to just eating championship after championship. Okay, it's worth reading. That's cool. Is it is it like a from a psych like 
personal is it self-improvement or is it like from a sports perspective or yeah good question it is i would say it's definitely self-improvement um obviously he comes from a sports background but the principles in it can apply to business can apply to your everyday life and also sports so yeah um, it's a great book your math teacher can pick it up and get something out of it totally cool um what is your favorite dessert i really like banana pudding Banana pudding. Banana pudding. It's it's good, man. It's I might good. have to ask you to leave after that. Oh, that was good. that was rough. Uh, was that banana weak? banana pudding. Some yeah. people like bananas. I I'm not a fan. Is it like homemade though? Does it have to be like homemade? And, totally. Yeah, I think uh, I think my buddy brought a banana pudding where he was like, don't you put like bread and stuff in there, or is that bread pudding? There's a difference, uh, isn't there? Well, the one that I'm talking about has those little Nilla wafer cookies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's, that's the only, like, breading or anything that's in there. Okay. My buddy, I think, made, like, a bread pudding with, like, cinnamon rolls. And, but I think it had, like, a banana taste in it. And that was the only... That's the closest I've ever gotten to liking banana pudding. I could probably do that. I could probably do that. So, do you eat bananas often? Like, are you a oh, banana yeah. dude? Yeah, probably... Two to four a day. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, so that was our rapid fire questions. Um, those are really good. Just want to recap. Your favorite book is Relentless by who? Tim Grover. Tim Grover. How many times have you read it? I've read that book three times. Three times. Cool. Did you Do you yeah. highlight and write in your books? Yeah. It's not something that I've always done, but I started doing this um, because I've noticed that Back in college, I could absorb the information when I highlighted and took notes. So yeah. I just take that same principle and put it towards you know reading my self improvement books now, yeah. and I get so much more out of them. Dude, Chase goes hard in the paint on that. Have you seen his Instagram stories? No. Uh, oh, Chase, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chase Christie, our last guest, um, he'll post his Instagram stories where he's got like pen, he's underlining and putting notes and stuff on the side. I don't really, I, I can't do that much. Uh, the only, I get too into the books and. The only time I'll, I'll ever stop and highlight something is if I'm like, oh, I need to remember that quote or I don't really understand that. So I need to come back to it. Uh, but I get to into the books and I, I'm three pages in. I, I realize I haven't even picked up my highlighter, you know, and so I, I need to work on that. Maybe maybe if I do some rereads, that'll help. Yeah, I um, <clears throat> like I said, I I just recently started doing this, so I don't have a ton of experience doing it. Yeah. Twelve Rules for Life was one that 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 book is insane. That's, That's a good book. It, it, it's, it's a good book, but it, it's so deep. And like there, there was times that I would get and I was do, I read it on 75 hard. So that was probably the mistake because it was like 11 p.m. reading 12 rules for life. And you're in the like he's trying to relate, you know, the deeper inner works of Christianity to children like skating in, in a you know, in a courtyard. And I'm like not understanding it. And so I really want to reread that one and do the full notes in that one. Definitely. I think that would be cool. Well, I feel like reading any book that late is pretty tough. Yeah, yeah, it kind of is. There, there were literally some two a.m. mornings where I just played video games too late. And I was like, "Damn it, I forgot to read my ten pages." And uh, typically, I'll keep a seventy-five hard hack because I keep a, a self-improvement book that may be a little bit easier to read than the one I'm currently reading. And so, like, it, you know, I still get my ten pages of self-improvement content, you know, content, but it's a different, like, a different shorter book. That way, I fit it in with my time. Oh, I, I don't think that's cheating, is it? I wouldn't say so. No, I don't think so because it is a self-improvement book. So There you go. Uh, let's see. So we were talking about your purpose of uh, leading others to – say, say it again. Yeah, so my purpose is to lead others toward realizing their full potential. Okay, yeah, and you were talking about – you kind of came into this, this coaching aspect of people would come to you and say, hey, how do I do this? What do I do? Let me ask you, do you think that that's because – because I think there's two ways that you fall into that 
thing and you can tell me differently but I think the one way is that you know a lot you've seen a lot you're the 80 year old dude that's got a lot of wisdom and people come to you because they know that you've seen everything or the second way is that you're really good at stepping back looking at the situation from kind of a bird's eye view and, and tactically figuring it out which which one do you th- do you think that was a little bit of both or well how did you fall into that and why do you think people come to you for that well first I think those are two pretty accurate statements about coaching and leading others you know but um, obviously I'm not super old, yeah, um, yeah. but I, I do think the way that I approach things helps people, you know, relate to their own journey a little bit and right. we can dissect it together and that can help them, you know, reverse engineer the process to help them learn that these tough obstacles are actually a little bit more manageable than what they thought. Right. And I, I think that's good too, because, you know, a lot of people, they won't listen to anybody that doesn't have like 80 years of experience. And it gets kind of, especially in corporate America, it gets kind of frustrating because it's like, hey, look, this is just, you don't have to have 80 years of experience tightening bolts to understand like you can you can solve the problem of tightening bolts in a different manner. You know what I mean? You can look at something differently and at least try to work, work with it. And that's kind of like using their experience like you may be talking to somebody that's got more experience than you but i think the mark of a good like coach or leader is being able to use their experience and and your problem solving method and get to an ultimate conclusion i would definitely agree and you know man most of leading other than you know leading by example is learning how to communicate to the person because there's going to be people that you know you have to stroke their ego a little bit to get them to listen to you and there's going to be people that you can be as blunt as possible and just tell them, you know, get up on this level. Yeah. Uh, it's time to get to work and they respond quickly. So it's all about, you know, learning that person and guiding them to, you know, how they work individually. Yeah. I think you do that pretty well. I, I, I see you work with multiple people in the gym and there's times where I'm like, I'm, I'm like, he just, he just fucking yells at me. Like he, he's not that nice to me, but you know, I respond to that. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you'll be in the yeah. gym and you'll be working with somebody and you're like, do this and you're real patient and you know, you're, you're doing these things and you're a little bit softer with them. And I'm like, that definitely would have been a two second yell and like just yeah, telling me yeah. to fix my shit. And I'm like, he, he's playing this system, but no, you, you do that really well. And you do have oh, well. to understand how different people. Think. Yeah. Thanks. You know, especially with guys you know, I can, I can be a little more aggressive with them because that's, you know, that's how, that's how I think that yeah. how I talk to myself is, you know, I feel a little more comfortable, you know, coaching guys right that way. So, uh, you know, I like to be you know, a little bit softer with women. Yeah. And, and that makes sense. And there's even some dudes that you gotta be a little bit softer with just to totally because of the ego thing, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like because of the ego thing, there's sometimes you have to be a little bit softer with the dudes, you know, but down easy. Uh, so what do you think is key? So I want to approach this from two different ways. And it's a question I just thought of the other day because of yours and my experience as a coach, let's, let's talk to the coaches first. And we're kind of doing that right now. What do you think are a few key things that you have to do to establish a good coach and student relationship? So I think we have developed that pretty well. Um, anybody that walks into the gym is going to know that, you know, you're my coach and I'm probably your student. Like, sure. And that's nothing against Brick or Jimmy, you know, the other coaches at the CrossFit gym. That You know, that's that's nothing against them. But everybody knows that, you know, you're kind of my coach and, and I'm kind of your student because sure. we've developed that coach-student relationship. As a coach, what are the few key things that you must do to, to develop a good coaching relationship? Because without one, you can't you can't influence anybody. 
Oh yeah, definitely. Well, I think number one is you have to observe a little bit. You've got to learn about the person. And that's kind of what I was talking about. Learn how that person works. So, you know, anytime a coach generally takes on an athlete, there's this period of just learning how the athlete moves, learning how they respond to cues and just learning how they tick. So I'd say that's number one. The second thing is can you communicate to them in a way that they trust you? So building trust with that. Mm-hmm. And then third, you'll, you'll, you'll hear me say this a lot, is giving them the example. So if you can't be the example for them in some way, then I think you're, you're going to end up falling short in the long term with that athlete or right. just individual in general. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, what about like, how flexible do you be as a coach? How do you protect your time as a coach? And like, how, how flexible do you be? Is that making, is that making sense? Totally. Because yeah. you know, you, you're a busy, busy dude. And I think as part of building that relationship with somebody is, I, I feel like the coach might have to be a little bit more flexible than the student sometimes to build that relationship. What do you think? I definitely, I definitely agree. You know, the thing about coaching and I've always had this mentality since I started doing it is I'm not, I'm not in it to coach you forever. My goal is to get you to learn these concepts, learn these principles as fast as you can, you know, with quality, right? but to eventually need more than me. So I'm trying to make you better than I am. And I think if you have that approach, you just fully invest in that person. They become lifelong friends. Yeah. And that's where it kind of gets a little tricky because you have to navigate, okay, is this person are they taking advantage of my time or, you know, is this, is this a friendly conversation? Like, what are we getting out of it? And I think, you know, as you, if you're a coach, as you progress into that, into more experiences, you'll start to better navigate that. But I think it's, I think it's a lot of trial and error. You gotta, you gotta set boundaries. And, you know, for me, I don't really like responding to people before 8am. And I don't like really responding to people after 8pm, just because, you know, I want to have that window that, you know, I can relax a little bit. And I don't like bugging people too early, because I know some people might be sleeping in a little bit later. Yeah, that that makes sense. And I know I'm kind of, I'm kind of bad about, uh, I'll send like late night texts, just because I, I typically have to type it and send it so that I can forget it. You know what I mean? But I know that most people that I'm sending those texts to, they have some form of do not disturb. And I know they're going to reply when they reply. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, so, because yeah. I, I know I've sent you some midnight texts of when I'm like <laughs> thinking about ideas about starting a podcast or something like that. And, you know, uh, I'm like up thinking about it. I can't go to sleep. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to talk about this with him in the morning. I'm just going to go ahead and shoot the text so that I can get it off my mind. And then, you know, he'll be, get back with me at eight. You know what I mean? So, sure. Yeah. It doesn't bother me if I receive text, but yeah, I just don't get upset if I don't respond to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what I've had to learn too, is that not everybody's on your same time schedule. Sure. And so that, that makes a lot of sense. Can you speak to kind of the mechanical? Well, we'll get to that later as far as guarding your time. I have a whole segment that I want to do about like guarding your time, oh, okay. but uh, we'll get to that later. So I do want to approach that from like the student perspective and maybe I know you've been coached before and but I think we both have a lot to offer on this because I just kind of newly came into this hey let's be coached three times a day you know what I mean like the I didn't have a lot of high school sports so really the CrossFit gym is my first not first but my most recent experience of like constantly getting coaching Um, and I think building a good relationship with a coach one of the key things is is doing everything you can that they that they like recommend or prescribe to you, and so I, I I was thinking about that because you and I 
I don't know that it was ever any contention, but like with my knees and stuff like that, you're trying to help me with my knees. I'm trying to guard my knees because I don't want to help them, you know, or I don't want to hurt them. Yeah. And we kind of had to build that relationship of like, okay, what am I willing to do? What can I do? You know, how far are you willing to push me on that? And kind of building that relationship. And I, I, I hear a bunch of people, not a bunch of people. I've heard a few people at the CrossFit gym that have been like, they don't like some of the coaches because they they have some of these injuries and stuff like that and the coaches push them on it a little bit but then they're they're also like well i know crossfit and i know the scales and i don't need them to tell me to do the scales and this and that and it's like well dude if you want them to trust you just do the shit that they're asking you to do so that they so that they know you're down and when you tell them that you can't do it you really can't do it it's not that you just don't want to do what they're what they're doing you know what i mean oh yeah and i, I see a lot of people specifically in the crossfit gym that kind of struggle with that that they don't have a, a, a great relationship with the coach because they're not, you know, doing what the coach tells them sure, to do. Sure. do. Do you agree with that from a, a coach and a student perspective? Yeah, I can, I can definitely see that a lot. The thing it's, it's tough to trust someone, especially if you had bad experiences with doctors or right. bad experiences with these people that are supposed to guide you towards, you know, better health or uh, whatever it may be. Yeah. So, so well, let me just say that, yeah, that's normal, but you know, specifically at our gym, we spend a lot of time focusing on injury prevention and injury rehab. That's one of right. our, that's basically our major focus. So yeah, if, if you, if you're not doing what the coach says, granted they're a good coach, um, you know, ask questions, ask questions of why am I doing this and, For sure. and how is this going to progress me? Don't, don't just leave the situation saying I know better or just questioning it without asking the question. Yeah, definitely. And that's, that's kind of what, yeah, that perspective was from the, like the student that I was, that I'm thinking of that, you know, there's a, there's a couple of them that I've kind of run into it just in talking that I'm like, dude, you've got to like, if they tell you to do this scale, like there's been some times that where I want to do a certain scale and I'm like, y'all have had me do this scale in the past. I want to do this scale. I don't know why it's different mm-hmm. today, but you want me to do ring rows instead of this the seated pull-ups or or whatever it is you know what I mean and I'm like I don't whatever you know what I mean I'll just do it but that's how you build a rapport you know what I mean is is you've got to trust them and do what the coach wants you to do and then and you know for me when I tell y'all hey I'm not going to do this today Mm -hmm. y'all are y'all are very respectful of that because you know that I'll lay it down when I need to lay it down you know what I mean like I go hard when I need to go hard Mm -hmm. and when you tell me to do something I do it sure and so like I think if you really want to get the most out of your coaching when you walk into a space, uh, whether it be BJJ or CrossFit or powerlifting, if you really want to get the most out of your coaching, it's your job as a student to to make every single effort to do what the coach is asking you to do. Sure. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I definitely would agree with that. And, you know, we put a lot of thought into the scales for the particular workouts at our gym. Right. Um, we don't. You know, there's different stimulus for different workouts. So right. part of that is why you're doing different scales. But, you know, a lot of that falls on the athlete. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're going to a powerlifting gym or a CrossFit gym or a BJJ gym, then a part of that is to educate yourself and right. figure out, OK, how can I progress to maybe, you know, reinforce what the coach says and then. You know, there is the chance that you might have come across a scale that the coach doesn't know about. Right. Bring it up, show them. And, you know, if if it's not going to work for you, hopefully they can explain why maybe you're not ready for that or you might actually be past that. Right. And that goes as a coach, you know, 
be adaptable. Like put your ego down for 30 seconds and, and say, hey, you know, maybe maybe this guy has seen Squat University. Maybe Squat University put out a new post that I haven't seen yet. And maybe this is this is actually a good skill. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. It, it's definitely a give and take. And I do think that y'all do really, really well on that. And I like how y'all are so focused on the the injury prevention and the uh is, is it adaptive? Whatever Brick does, I, I don't know his actual yeah, title, yeah. but the, the adaptive yeah, yeah that's is it adaptive, adaptive programming? Yeah, mm-hmm. the adaptive programming. They call them adaptive athletes in other yeah. in other areas, and so I do. That's one of my favorite parts about the gym is that I feel like y'all will. Y'all, y'all pay good attention to everybody, but if you're sitting there and you're looking at your your major CrossFit athlete that is just wanting you know some tips on this and that, but you've got an adaptive person struggling over here, y'all will always go to like the adaptive person first, get them figured out. You know what I mean? Like help, truly try to help them, and then come back to your more seasoned, more experienced athletes. You know what I mean? It's a priority. Let me put sure. it that way, yeah. um, because I feel like a lot of people. You know, I went to. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to say their name on air, but I went to a, the, the boxing gym here oh, that, yeah. you know, they do their, their Metcons and stuff. I don't even know if you call it a Metcon, but it's, I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're super big cardio class. Um, conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. Conditioning class. And, uh, that man, it was, it was awful because like the coaches did not give a damn about me. Like I, I was going in there for like the first time working out in like five years or whatever. And I had my knee braces on and I was dying. Uh-huh. Honestly, I'd like to go back and see how well I do at some point. Yeah. yeah. Just like drop in and, and see for how sure. well I do just to kind of compare. But I was dying and the coaches just left me there. I mean, absolutely left me there. And y'all don't do that, especially not with new people. And even even older people that you know need some some help during the workouts and stuff. Um, y'all are very y'all are very good with the people that are struggling a little bit. So, well, we appreciate that. You know, it, that comes down to your standard as you know the leader of that gym. So you know. I don't know anything about a lot of other gyms around. Yeah, but you know, if if the coaches aren't engaged, um, if they're not correcting athletes, then it's likely a standard that has been trickled down from up top. You know, so yeah. I think it's I think if you if you want it to go a certain direction, you want to set your standard at a certain quality. You've you've got to lead by the example, and you've got to right. state that at the very beginning. Yeah. So you, you're a third owner in CrossFit Amarillo, right? Correct. Correct, Um, It's you, Jimmy and Brick, correct? Right. Right. Um, So you do all of our programming at CrossFit Amarillo. I do. So that's programming you come up with yourself through research and, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, well, I've been doing this for about 10 years plus the, you know, since I've been playing sports since I was five. So I have a good grasp on, you know, what, what fuels performance. Right. Um, but as far as, you know, what goes into our everyday program, that, yeah, that's stuff that I just accumulated over the years of what works, what okay. doesn't work, and how we can get the most out of people's time. Because, you know, most people, they only have an hour. So what right. can we do to get them the, the most bang for their buck? So let me, is is the is our structure unique? Because I, I feel like the, we have a very consistent structure it, the, it may be a different we have different blocks and stuff like that we, we have a very consistent structure of warm up a slower more paced lifting session um, tip, it's typically lifting or gymnastics or some kind of slower paced you know hard work session and then we go into a metcon is that unique to us uh, I wouldn't say that it's you know unique to the entire space because there are a lot of gyms that follow a same structure to their classes and program but i would say to crossfit in general it's pretty unique because 
the methodology of CrossFit is uh, Netcon, really. Right. And, you yeah. know, you do lift, but you don't lift at the, you know, the amounts that we do. Okay. When I say amounts, I mean uh, the frequencies. Right. Um, you know, our priority is is strength and conditioning because if you can express your strength and your conditioning in a metcon you'll be safe you'll be you'll you'll move very well right. so that's, that's why we do a lot of those the work before the metcon so you can really refine your movement and then once you get into that conditioning session where you don't want to think about technique you just want to do the technique properly yeah, yeah and you can just focus on moving well that makes sense and that's, that's one of the things i really like about this is because you, you know as well as I do that CrossFit has stereotypes and yeah, it's yeah. a meme and I've got a buddy who he's one of my best friends but he's always like I'll, I'll tell him I went to CrossFit and he's like how many tires did you flip today you know you know what I mean like did you do any half pull-ups you know the butterfly pull-ups or whatever like you know and we can go into the we can go into the weeds and talk about you know why all those things are important but you know it's a meme and I feel like CrossFit Amarillo, y'all are truly trying to put out what is best for the athlete and the student. And you don't play too hard into the meme, but you also don't avoid it either. You know what I mean? Like we yeah. have some imams that I'm over here and I'm like, this is why they created the meme. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or not imams, but Metcons sure, where sure. I'm like, this is, this is CrossFit that everybody else knows. You know what I mean? Yeah. But 70% of the time we're touching a barbell. You know what I mean? I would say 60% of the time it's, it's pretty different than what most people think CrossFit is. And and kind of what you said is that seems to be a little bit on purpose. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, we we really strive to cater towards our demographic, and our demographic is not young competitive athletes. We're not we're not training right. people to go to the CrossFit Games. We're training people to be you know as functional as possible in life. Yeah. So yeah. teaching them proper movement mechanics in the squat, the deadlift, the press, all these things that they're likely going to be doing outside. That's what we're trying to do. And, you know, the people come to the gym, come to our gym for CrossFit. So it is important to stay true to the methodology, right? but still expose them to what they're going to experience in everyday life most often. Right. So no, that's, that's cool. I, yeah. like I said, I, I I'm sold and you, you may have, I don't know if you remember any of my hesitation. So oh, let's, let's, let's go over the meeting, the famous meeting scene from, uh, from Jonah's episode. That's literally how we met is we were, I'd seen you in the gym a couple times and I can't remember if I rolled a 35 into your ankle before or after I asked you how to dumbbell snatch. But, uh, I remember I was, we, Jonah and I were doing something and I tried to roll a weight. I got arrogant and I was like, I can roll a weight right past this dude. Yeah. And it hits you right in the ankle and I was very very like sorry that that happened but uh, I remember yeah remember I was trying to do that dumbbell snatch and uh, no I was trying to do a kettlebell snatch a kettlebell yeah and you were like hey fucking stop you know what I mean you didn't say it like that but you were like hey let's not do this let's do a dumbbell snatch and then uh, just from there we kind of got to to talking and, and got into cross you know it, it eventually evolved into CrossFit what, yeah. what is your side of how that happened well I didn't approach you saying stop. You, well, yeah, 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 yeah. But when I when I asked you, I was like, yeah, yeah. You said, um, hey, man, can you teach me how to do the kettlebell snatch? And I said, well, where'd you get that from? Are you following a program? Because I didn't assume that you didn't know how to do it. I just assumed that maybe you didn't quite have the technique down. Yeah. And I think you'd said maybe you saw it on Instagram or something, and you were trying out that particular workout. So yeah. I said, okay, cool. Let's go. Let's go try it out. And uh, I. I saw you do it with a lightweight and I said, 
And I saw it hit your forearm, and that's like the, one of the most common things. It, it can really hurt the forearm. So I said, you know what? Let's do the same movement, but let's make it easier. Let's do it with a dumbbell. You're not going to have to worry about as much uh, the as much of the technicalities of it. Yeah. And you can just move. And uh, after that, you were you were just rocking and rolling, ready to go. Yeah. You, you said that with less words. <laughs> I, I do remember you saying that with less words. It was fast. It was fast. Because I, I was like, I had my dumbbell, and you were like, or uh, my, my kettlebell and you were like let's get a dumbbell and I was like this guy knows more than I'll ever know so I'm just going to trust him but you definitely you were like let's get it because you were in the middle of your workout I was, and yeah. so uh, but I, I was just I was at the point where like I don't think I'm doing this right this guy looks like he knows that he's doing <laughs> like what he's doing and so I yeah. figured I would ask but I remember being super hesitant about uh about doing CrossFit and it, I really got sold on it you know and I here. The one problem is that I don't know that I could go anywhere other than CrossFit Amarillo. It's kind of like when you've had the best wine ever, oh, and then you like go try to get the cheaper wine because you're like, you're like, man, I really like wine. And then you go and you buy some cheap wine, and you're like, this is shit. And it's like, well, yeah, you had the best wine ever, and then you know you're trying to go have some cheap wine. So I'm real scared to ever like move out of Amarillo, or if, if anything ever happens at CrossFit Amarillo, yeah, I'm, I'm real scared about like committing to CrossFit anywhere, but. Um, I'm, I'm sold on it, man. Well, yeah, I remember, you know, the first time trying to, you know, just open your eyes to what it is. I first asked you, what is your goal? What, yeah. Why are you even working out? And I remember the one thing that came out of your mouth was I want to be capable. I want to yeah. be capable of living my life uh, in a way that I don't have hesitations about doing things and I don't have restrictions on anything. I want to be able to, you know, perform when I have to do it. And instantly for me i thought okay that lends well to cross it because that's that's really what the methodology is right. now if you would have said you know i just want to get as strong as possible i would have said you can come try out our gym if you want but it's likely not what you want to do yeah and i would have you know pushed you in a more of a powerlifting bodybuilding type of um direction but that alone being your goal that's what really really urged me to push you towards CrossFit. Yeah, no, it, it, it's been great, man. Um, truly amazing. It, it's coming up on one year. I don't remember when the first time I stepped in the gym. Maybe we can look at the waiver. Yeah, we'll check it out. But, you know, I think just getting you in there was uh, just come try out the gym. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll have to look at the waiver because it's been one year. I didn't go super consistent. I, you know, I had the membership and I went maybe two times a week or something like that from the, like last November or something like that. But, uh, I've been going consistently since February and it's, it's been amazing. Yeah. But really since you started 75 hard. Yeah. Yeah. February 17th. So there maybe February 18th. I don't remember. So I've been coming pretty consistent. I have had to take some week breaks. Like I'll get, it's normal. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll be like, I can't be here for a week and you know, I'll go and like lift or do my rehab. Like I had to do some soldier shoulder rehab. Um, I quit for like, and it wasn't anything that CrossFit caused. Mm. It's, it, it started when I was actually shooting my bow. Um, yeah. but I don't know that I've ever given it any relief, you know, relaxed it at all. Yeah. And so, uh, I, I took two weeks off recently to do some shoulder rehab and just kind of chill and shoot my bow and stuff like that. Well, but, well, I think it's important to, um, to take breaks from your training yeah. Um, you know, and, and do other things, you know, change up your training a little bit, uh, to, to get the body to respond again. Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I want to ask you, uh, moving on from that, uh, one of the questions that we kind of talked about before this, uh, if you could attach three values to yourself, what are they? 
revalues. So I'm glad you mentioned this one to me because this is this took a lot of, a little bit of thought. And you know, the three values that I have are taking ownership in myself, uh, serving others, and demanding excellence in myself. Okay. So ownership, service, and excellence. That's it. Okay. I like that. Why? Uh, why those? Let me. Let me. Let me know. Give me. Let's let's structure this a little bit. Give me uh, ownership, serving, and excellence. So give me the, let's go over ownership. Why did you attach ownership? Number one, why was it first? Number two, why did you attach it to yourself? And then let's let's move in through that. Let's talk about all three of these. Well, for, for taking ownership, I'm big on, if I'm going to lead a group or a person, I need to be the example. So I need, if, if I mess up, I need to take ownership in that. And I think that's where, you know, a lot of people who are potentially in an influential position right. or they want to lead someone, they fail to take take ownership in um, in their mistakes. And this is, you know, it's it takes a lot of humility. Right. And sometimes you don't want to do that. You know, I mess up all the time. And it's it's hard to look in the mirror and say, you know, that one was on me. I've got to, I've got to pick it up. Right. Yeah, no, I I think that's important. Like you said, coaching anybody, you have to take ownership of what you're doing. Like if you, it's, it's the most visible thing too. If you don't take ownership, like if, if somebody does something and you know, they even try to back away from it a little bit, then it's just the most obvious thing to anybody else in the room. And it, it really, what it does is it subverts their trust in, in you. You know what I mean? I think that's what yeah. it does. So, um, your next one is going to be, it was service, right? Yeah. Serving others. So, um, you know, I, uh, serving others is really important to me because really what other, what is there in this life worth doing? Right. You know, everything we do should be to benefit the world around us. So, you know, how can I help a person, you know, get from where they're at to where they want to go? Or it, it can be something even way simpler than that. If someone has a flat tire on the side of the road, you know, pull over and help them out. Or if they're stuck in the snow, push, help push their car out. Yeah. Uh, you know, things like that. How can you, how can you just level up the world around you in even the most simple way? Yeah, that, that makes sense. And, and sometimes I think people get some, they get caught up in that how do I put this? You can you can have a service-based mindset and still strive for personal excellence, which is going to go into yours totally. and, and you know or your next one to where you have to be the more personally excellent that you are, you are the more capability you have to serve others. Sure. And Andy Frazella kind of talks about that. In between the cuss words and the conspiracy <laughs> theories, Andy has some really really good stuff occasionally, yeah, and that's sure. something that he talks about is like humility is not humility is not making yourself less than. It's believing believing in others and bringing them up to your level. You know what I mean? And and understanding that they can be at your level. Like you're nothing special. You're not going to bring yourself down to their level, but you're going to try to help bring other people up to your level and understand that they have that potential. Um, and, and that that rolls right into your next one. Excellence. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So, you know, demanding excellence in myself, I, I specifically put in myself because I don't, I don't necessarily, have standards for those that are around me because the, at the end of the day, the only person that I can control is myself. Yeah. So if I'm looking myself in the mirror every day and saying, did I do what I needed to do to move the needle forward? Then 
if I can answer yes to that every day, then just naturally those around me are going to rise up with me because we're going to feed off of each other. And if they don't, you know, that's, that's how people outgrow each other. And it's just, you know, unfortunately part of life that you, you outgrow particular people and you find yourself with a different circle, you know, yeah. so often. So, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to that, I think it's important to not have expect. I don't. I don't really like to have expectations on other people, because a you can't control them, and b it's very likely that they don't have the same goal as you. Yeah, I I'm currently stuck between those two mentalities. So I it's it's hard for me because you hear quotes like you become the average of the five people you spend your most time with, and I feel like it could be very easy to get caught up if you don't have expectations for those around you or at least maybe maybe you have expectations of yourself and naturally that that encompasses the people you surround yourself because you're not if a if a crack addict comes into your life you know what i mean and he wants to get real close to you like you're eventually going to be like he may be the most devoted friend in the world but if he's a crack addict and doing crack addict shit all the time you're going to distance yourself from him. Right. So I do think we have we need to have standards for the people that we let around us. But I don't know what that balance is yet because I've started for me it's it's been a lot better when you know for example if I want to used to if I wanted to go hunting with somebody I would say hey man we're going to leave at 5:30 and if they didn't show up at 5:30 I would be like I would be super stressing about oh, it. Yeah. And, you know, I had these expectations of this person that they were going to be on time. And then they weren't on time. So I would wait around a little bit for them. And I would get super pissed off, you know what I mean? Because I expected better out of them, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I've dropped that. I've completely dropped that now. It's like, hey, dude, truck's pulling out at 530. And I don't give a damn <laughs> if we pass each other at the yeah. stop sign. You can either flip a UE and follow me, you know what I mean? But we're not pulling back in the driveway and letting your ass get in the truck. It was 530. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I be, And because I don't expect much out of them, I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? Sure. But I also, I also struggle with that because I, you know, I want the people around me to be, to be, I don't want to become the average of, you know, the five people around me. Like, I don't, I don't want that to be lesser. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, you, you have a good point. And the thing about taking the crack addict, for example, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you have to make a personal choice. Is this person, you know, leveling, helping me level up? Or am I feeling myself being brought down? And it's a pretty tough and honest question that you have to answer because those people can sometimes be close to you. Now, when it comes to standards with people that are struggling with something like that, I, I try to look at it in the most simplest way. And, you know, can I see that this person is trying to better themselves? If they are awesome, I can, you know, help them as long as they continue to go on that path, but if they, you know, if they, if they slip up repeatedly, you have to make a decision of, is this bringing me down? And what do I need to do about that to preserve, to preserve my own boundaries and to keep myself moving forward? Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And that I, I took, I just picked a random extreme, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But actually I have a story, one of my, of a, a guy that I don't really talk to that, um, not anymore, but, uh, he was one of my friends and I talked to him for, I don't talk to him for completely different reasons, but he actually took in one of his old high school buddies that had had gotten really big into drug addiction Mm -hmm. and and like tried to help him like that. Yeah. And eventually he just had to kick him out because he was, he was, 
dragging everybody down. And there, there was, it's really sad. He ended up killing himself like two weeks after oh, my buddy kicked him out. Yeah. Um, and just kind of helping him work through that of like, look, you, you did what was best for you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, you, you had to do what you had to do. And so I do think that it, it is important to set, maybe not set personal expectations for personal people, but setting some sort of barrier for what kind of people you let in your life. Boundary. Yeah. Yeah. Setting some kind of boundary for, Hey, I just can't do it. You know what I mean? And hundred percent agree. And, and I think that is expectation. I think you can roll that into having expectations for yourself, not other people. You know what I mean? I think there is a way to frame that, that those expectations are for yourself, not for other people. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't have the boundaries set, uh, you know, of, like I said, if, if the person isn't, isn't leveling up in some way on their own, yeah. uh, you know, you, you have to make the honest call of, is this, is this person bringing me down? And that may be a little cold blooded to people, but if you want to demand excellence of yourself, then you've got to make some tough calls. Right. Well, and it, and it goes into what are your, what are you taking away from those people that are bettering themselves? Yeah. You know what I mean? If you're giving time to this person, you no. know, what are you taking? Cause time is, is fine. Is it, it's infinite, but during a day, it's finite. You know what I mean? You only have like 25, 24 hours in a day. And so Definitely. like, if you're taking an hour to help this person, you're taking an hour out of somewhere else, you yeah. know, out of, out of your regular day. Yeah. And so I, I, I don't remember if, I think I've said this on a podcast before, but I think that that boundary or that, that bar of, do you get to hang out with me is either a, are you helping me get better? B, am I helping you get better? Mm-hmm. And C, are you not bringing me down? Yeah. If you, you know, if you meet any of those, you know, we don't have to help each other get better for you to be in my life, but you need to not bring me down. You know what I mean? And like, you must meet either, you know, all three of those, like, but you cannot bring me down. The one bar is that you cannot bring me down and either I can help you and you can help me, but likely, you know, the best way is for us to do both. Definitely. Well, yeah, that goes to, you know, your, um, the phrase like your cup of energy, your energy cup or whatever, you know, you, you have a certain amount of energy every day. And this is, this, this goes right along with time. If you're giving energy to this person, you know, some people will literally pull all the energy out of you so long as you let them. Right. You know, that's, that's tough, but you got to move on. Yeah. So that kind of rolls into one of the other things that, uh, I wanted to uh, talk about is how do you guard your time? So let me let me lay this scenario. I'm starting to get to where I'm more busy quite often, and especially with the podcast of you know trying to get people scheduled in and having to work with their schedules and having you know doing all this stuff. What? How do you? How do you guard your time? Because I kind of thought of this analogy of like people will steal your time and not. Not intentionally, you know what I mean? Like they're not out to steal your time, but if you let them, they will steal your time and it, it's really easy to just give it away, it, especially for me because I, I'm a guy that I haven't had to say no a lot. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm pretty free and open. And so if anybody ever texts me to invite me to do anything, I'm like, yeah, well, now that my life is getting more cluttered and it's hunting season and we're doing this podcast, I've started to get myself into a little bit of trouble of like, looking up and holy shit, I've got all of this stuff to do today. You know what I mean? And it's because I said yes to these people or maybe even I sabotaged myself 
and scheduled myself out a little bit too much. And so how do you guard your time? And just to preface, I know that I'm one of the worst at stealing people's time. You know what I mean? Like, cause I am so open. I'm one of the worst at hitting people up all the time of like, Hey, do you want to go do this? Do you want to go do this? And I, now that I've, I have a little bit more, uh, I don't know whether it's sympathy or empathy of when you've been in their position before. I'm a little bit more, uh, empathetic or sympathetic to their cause now because when somebody tells me no I can't do it I've been in that position recently of where like I really didn't have the time to do it yeah so um, I understand but what, what how do you guard your time yeah you, well a lot of it is through experience um, trial and error of saying yes too often in the past but the biggest thing that has helped me is self-awareness and yeah. that's like I said that's been acquired over many many bad experiences so one of the main things that I do is I, I'm big on my personal energy and how I'm feeling. So, you know, like you, I create content and to be able to create content, I have to be on, you you have to be focused. You have to be able to deliver a message with conviction and that takes energy. So, you know, for me, I like to, I like to block out time where it's uninterrupted where my phone is in airplane mode or, you know, just not in the room with me to where I can, completely focus and that tends to help me actually recharge when I don't have any distractions because I can come out of that session feeling like I earned a little um, extra time or time to you know go hang out with someone or something like that but the other thing that can help I don't know if it's actually going to free up your time but it will help you feel more charged to do things is to do to have a hobby or have an interest outside of work or outside of you know what you're trying to achieve it it can give you a break it can give you a mental break but it can also give you um just an extra burst of energy of excitement yes sir so i think you know coupling time blocking and just cutting out distractions in general that tends to help that tends to help me but then also you know implementing some type of outside interest like a hobby that makes sense. Did, did you read Deep Work? Did you like Deep Work? I did. I like that book a lot. I really related to a lot of the concepts in it. And for for those who might not know the book Deep Work, it's it's essentially cutting off all distractions and being able to you know have total focus on what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, um, I, I I liked it. It's been really hard for me trying to put it. I don't remember who authored it. Is it's not Cal Newport, is it? Uh, I think it actually might be. I don't want to say it is because I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, there's one. I, I've got a book called The Comfort Crisis, and I'm worried that that might be his book. But I forgot. I forget who authored it. But Deep Work is. Uh, it, it was. It was really good. I've been. I'm not nearly as good as implementing it as what you are blocking off my time. Um, I think it would be if I was doing things that I'm like super interested in. You know, at work, I try to do a little bit of deep work at work of like, hey, I actually need to get this done. And I'm in a position to where what I do for work is not really doesn't fulfill me at all. Yeah, and so yeah. it's super, super hard to schedule that deep work. But I agree with you of, of blocking out, blocking out certain times that I must go do this or I must go do that. Um, for me, it's like my hunting and stuff like that, that I must go do this, you know? Yeah. It's, oh yeah. It, it's, it, that is my deep work. And so, well, you know, um, when it comes to that deep work, when I was growing up, we like, uh, we didn't even have like social media and yeah. stuff like that. And even I didn't, I was kind of like a late, um, I guess a late bloomer when it comes to social media. Cause I just refused to get on it for so long right. because, because I didn't want the distraction. distraction. And then yeah. that now 
I can definitely tell that I'm, I have a, a harder time getting into that deep work focus um, because I'm so accustomed to, you know, my phone constantly going off or a notification coming up. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I, I long for the days when social media wasn't around because it was so easy to just switch it on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it just, it just goes to taking ownership. You gotta, you gotta put the phone out of the room occasionally. Yeah. I agree with you. Sometimes I'll put it in my desk drawer. Oh, that's good too. Um, yeah. You know, throw it in my desk drawer, but I do think that, uh, that deep work, I think it needs to be something mentally stimulating. Because for me, when I'm just plucking away at an Excel file and I'm trying to do deep work when I'm doing that, my brain is so hungry for something that challenges it. You know what I mean? Whether it's a podcast or or something like that. I think that's why it's so hard for me to do the deep work is because I, the deep work that I'm trying to do is boring as shit. You, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's, that's kind of, and he talks about some of that and he says that, you know, the deep work isn't really for the boring work, but yeah, that's that deep creative yeah. thought and um, really pushing the mind but yeah i mean there's 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 times where you know i just like to hack away at a spreadsheet and just get stuff done yeah that's a different type of rewarding feeling but you know it's it's tough it's it tough. is tough and i can do it like it's so wild because i absolutely hate to open my excel app if it's a data entry but if i'm building a new spreadsheet and it's a challenge or it's a puzzle then i love it you know oh, because yeah, i yeah, love figuring yeah. out the formulas and stuff like that and so maybe that says a little bit about what i'm doing and some of the changes i need to make but so let's uh we talked about kind of guarding your time um what are what are some mechanisms? We talked about the deep work and getting away from from distractions. What are the mechanisms that you use? Do you use Google calendars because uh, yeah. Chase uses Google calendars? Do you use Do Not Disturb? You said airplane mode. Give me some of the the tactical. This is how I guard my time. What do you, what mechanics do you use for that? Yeah. So if you want to start guarding your time a little bit better, you know, one of the best things that you can do that's super simple is setting your do not disturb on your phone. You won't get notifications and things like that. So you can have some solitude and whatever you need to do. If you, if you need to get something done at that time, that's a, that's a great way to do it. I do also use Google calendars religiously. Everything that I do is in that calendar from a task list to actual appointments and meetings and all that stuff. So really, as long as I and within those two, those two, um, I guess programs, yeah. uh, you know, that helps me block out my time. It's cool. And like I mentioned, paying attention to how you feel. If, if, you know, you can feel yourself being mentally drained, you might have to block out a little more time to relax and let your mind recharge for a little bit. So, um, I didn't say that, but the, the other thing is being in tune with your own self-awareness. Yes, sir. So uh, I was kind of exploring this with my buddy Max the other day. Uh, the, the thought that I hear a lot of people say, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. And I get that. I, I do. And it's become kind of a, I don't know. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but uh, it's really common to hear in our society. And it's kind of a filler for other things. And one of the things I was talking to him about was I wish people I wish people would have that underlying understanding of saying, I don't have time. A, that means it's not a priority. You know what I mean? Like you have time. We all have the same amount of time and we all have the same amount of time in this day. We all have 24 hours in the day. We prioritize differently. And so how do you, 
how do you balance priorities? I guess, do you have any way to balance priorities? And instead of giving, instead of giving the excuse of, Hey, I don't have time. How do you kind of work around that in your, in your own head? And when you get to, you know, when you're dealing with somebody else, because I've started to where I don't tell people I don't have time. It's always, I'll either tell them that I'm busy that day and I'm doing other things. And then I'll like immediately try to schedule it with them of like, Hey, you know, they'll ask me, Hey, do you want to go to dinner? Man, I'm actually recording a podcast. Let's try to do it this way. I try to avoid the man. I don't have time. You know what I mean? How do you, how do you do that? And how do you prioritize? And yeah. So as far as how I avoid saying I don't have time is, you know, my wife, Lisa, kind of got onto me a, a while back because I got into that habit of, I would say, I don't have time. And, uh, you know, it's more of, uh, no, you didn't make the time. Yeah, you yeah, didn't yeah. make the, the time. time. So, you know, that was one of those things where I was like, you know what, that's that's exactly what I'm doing. I didn't make the time. So um, first being honest about what you're doing. And then as far as, uh, what was your other question? It was... Um, like, how do, you, how do you balance those priorities? You know, making time is a is a... It's a not euphemism, but it's another way to say prioritizing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because uh, you can't make time either. But it's, I know it's it's just a saying, but it's another way of saying you didn't prioritize your time exactly. to allow this to fit. Yeah. So for me, prioritizing it it goes back to my goals and who I want to become. If right. if I'm doing things throughout the day that aren't in alignment with that, then uh, I'm messing up somewhere. So it it starts out with what do I want to do? You know. Do I want to grow a successful business? Do I want to be as fit as possible? Do I want to, you know, achieve a certain financial goal? And if what I'm doing on a daily basis is not in alignment with those in some way, then it's, 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 it's not, not doesn't uh, fit. It, it doesn't fit. fit. It, it doesn't fit. fit. It's, it's not a high priority. That makes sense. Uh, I had a question. It was a good question. I completely Goals. Um, who do you want to become? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, I don't know. It, well, it had to do with, uh, with, with make, Oh, 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 how do you like prioritize other people? Like how much do you give and how much do you take? Is there a good, because you have to sometimes like you have to prioritize other people's time if you care about them. You know what I mean? Like if you've got a good friendship or something like that, how do you prioritize other people's time and where do you, where do you fit other people into your goals? You know what I mean? Because you said your purpose is to to lead and help others reach their their fulfillment. You know, I, I'm sorry, I forget the. I'm terrible with quotes. I forget your your actual quote. <laughs> to lead others toward uh, realizing their full potential. To lead others to realizing their full potential. I'm sorry. Um, okay, so how do you balance that? Because one could easily read that if they don't know you or don't one could easily read that. And we've already talked about how you're service minded to give all my time to other people. Yeah. How do you balance that and not take all your time for yourself and say, I'm going to do my goals, this, this, and this. And for 10 years, I'm going to focus on myself and friends and family be damned. How do you find that balance of, you know, the nun lifestyle versus, you know, your life's, you know, the, the extreme, you know, CEO, a millionaire by 30 because he didn't talk to anybody lifestyle. How do you find that balance? Yeah. So if I understand your question correctly, I think in order to, you know, achieve this purpose uh, that I have of, you know, leading others toward realizing their full potential is you, if you're going to lead someone, you can't hold their hand. You've got to give them a piece to chew on and then you've got to let them sit and go do with it what they will. Okay. Now, a lot of times people do not follow. They, they don't take the information given and they stay stuck. And you have to realize that 
that certain people, a lot of people aren't going to follow your lead or anything like that. So part of that is realizing, have I given this person, you know, information to get them going? It eventually comes down to that person. So you, you can't, you can't waste time, but you have to stick your neck out there occasionally. And with that, Uh, you know, there's a lot of failures. There's a lot of times, like I mentioned that you do say these things to people or try to help them and they just don't respond. Yeah. But for the, you know, for the few that do it's, it's worth it. Give time. Don't waste time. Give time. Don't waste time. Yeah. The other thing about, I think you might've mentioned about like, how do I balance giving time and taking time? Well, I think part of that is giving without the expectation of receiving. Okay. I don't, I don't necessarily go at someone trying to take time unless, unless I feel like I'm compensating them in some way, whether it's taking them out to lunch or whether it is, you know, paying for an actual meeting, if there's some type of consultant or something like that. Yeah. I don't necessarily like to approach people without giving some type of value. Like, Hey, would you mind, you know, telling me about your life? I'd love to learn something from you. I'll take you out to lunch. So I try to give something, even yeah. if I'm trying to, you know, quote, take something, learn yeah. something. You know what I mean? No, that that's actually a really good note. And I've done some of that before. I remember, uh, actually, I think I called you after I had a dinner with uh, one of the consultants that I, t- I called. I just started calling random consultant firms oh. because I wanted to, I thought I wanted to be a consultant for a little bit and I still wouldn't mind doing it. But I just all started like Googling and calling random consultants. Hey man, can you sit down with me? Can we talk about how, yeah. how we get into this field? And one guy, he was like, no, but I got a friend that will. And, uh, so he like hooked me up with his friend. Well, his friend thought I was paying for this lunch, like not just the lunch, but the actual encounter. And so we get there and he's like perturbed. You know what I mean? Like he's he's eared and this guy, you know, he helped me a little bit quickly found out that he wasn't a guy that I need to be spending a lot of time with. But, Uh um, he was like irritated. He was like, yeah, man, this guy told me that, you know, I thought this was going to be like a paid deal. Like sit down an hour for you. I typically charge 300 bucks an hour. And I was like, I can leave. You know, you know oh, what I mean? Like, man, that's so awkward. You know, yeah, it was super awkward because he just <laughs> opened with, with, hey, man, like, I typically charge for this, but my friend talked me into it. So you're lucky I'm even here. Whoa. Yeah. And so, right there. and I was yeah. like, well, I guess I'll pay for your lunch. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I wasn't even intending on paying for the lunch because I, I didn't have much money at the time. And so I was like, Okay, <laughs> you wow, know, like I guess insane. I'll pay for your lunch, you know. So now I, I'm definitely more cognizant of that yeah. because I don't ever want to be in that position again where he's like, yeah, I typically charge 300 bucks for this. And he was he was open, you know, he helped me out a little bit. But definitely once he finished his meal, he's like, can we get the check? And of course I'm paying, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. And uh, he, he wouldn't get the fuck out of there because he was only, he wasn't making anything <laughs> for it. But yeah, yeah. no, I, I think I, I meant, you answered the question, but I meant in the giving and taking time, I basically I meant how much time do you give versus how much time do you give to yourself? You know what I mean? Like give to others versus how do you, how much do you give to yourself? How do you allot that? But I like, I like your answer that you don't ever, you know, you don't take time without offering something. Yeah. Yeah. As far as, you know, for myself, I definitely try to make the time for myself um, to recharge, especially on the weekends. I, I'm not really one that goes out and stays out late. I've noticed. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I like to, I like to be pretty regimented you know, with a routine. Yeah. And that helps recharge me because I feel like I'm on top of my game. I feel like I'm progressing. And that's, that's what I'd say really helps, you know, as much as I try to help people and, you know, lead them toward a better lifestyle, whatever that is taking that time on the weekends 
mostly alone helps you know yeah. recharge are you are you a, an alone guy do you need your time alone i would say over the long term yes but i get a lot of energy by being around people so you talk about like are you an extrovert are you an introvert it's it's hard to define it but i feel like i can turn it on if i need to be an extrovert yeah but you know being in that environment too long i do need a little bit of silence and just the ability to calm my mind and yeah. Just be in my thoughts for a minute. I'm very, I don't like being alone. Like I, I don't. And that sounds like some sort of codependency. Like I need to go see Dr. Phil or something. Like <laughs> I can be alone. Like there's yeah, times yeah. on like Sunday mornings when D only goes and works, everybody else is doing stuff. I'll, I'll spend all day alone, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can do that and it's fine. But I'm one of those people. I definitely like to have somebody with me, you know, like hanging out with somebody going and hunting, you know, having somebody with me. I, I like to do that. Yeah. Um, I think that's just personality traits, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's why I'm such a thief of other people's time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause like I, I've just, I've truly accepted that, you know, I am a thief of other people's time because I'll just hit them up constantly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they've got things to do. And so that's why I'm such a thief of other people's time is because the way I do recharge is by hanging out with other people, you know? Well, at least they know, uh, you know, you're, you're keeping them on your radar still. You haven't, you haven't forgotten about them. So yeah, that's cool. I wouldn't see it as such a bad thing. No, I don't think it is. Um, let's move into, uh, let's talk about you recently married, right? Yep. July, July, 20, July. And y'all eloped. Y'all did it right. We did. We did. Yeah. That was, that was cool. When I heard you were doing that, I was like solid. Of course, I think that came with a little bit of maturity too. Well, yeah, you know, we, uh, we didn't we didn't really want to obviously we didn't want to upset anybody if you know they weren't invited to this wedding or whatever yeah and honestly it was it was one of those things that we're we're pretty low-key anyways we don't we don't um i don't know what the proper word is maybe like flaunt a lot where we like to do things on our own and all that stuff so that's that's why we went up to uh, the mountains up near aspen colorado and and eloped was the reception against y'all's will or well, it wasn't our idea, but it wasn't against our will either. Okay. So, um, you know, some of the ladies at the gym texted us and asked if we would like to do that or they would like to throw it for us. And we were just overwhelmed with gratitude. So, of course, we said, yes, thank you so much. Uh, we we don't like the party centered around us. So that was a little awkward. But, yeah. you know, the, the thought uh, that people would go that far to do that. And that was unbelievable. Yeah. It, it was really cool. Yeah. And so, yeah, y'all, y'all did it right. But so how does, uh, how does your purpose work into, into being married? Do you, do you say that, you know, it, does she fall under that purpose of leading and like it leading people to God, I, I can't fucking remember. I'm so sorry. You're good to lead others toward realizing their potential. Lead others to realizing their full potential. There we go. I yeah. got it. I won't forget it again. Um, does she fall under that umbrella? Is Do you feel like some of your purpose is to help lead her to realize her full potential too? Yeah. You know, I think the good part about our relationship is we're both very strong-willed people. So right. we, we don't need a lot of guidance of each other. We don't need to lead each other necessarily, but we are always there to lead each other, if that makes sense. Sure. So we try to, you know, we we really try to push ourselves in you know whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish and with that expectation of yourself you're going to encounter a ton of obstacles unexpected a lot of times and sometimes you do need someone to lean on a little bit to you know help pull you forward a little bit and you know we both work off of each other in in that regard 
more than, you know, more than I can count. Yeah. And, and I, I could kind of see that to where, you know, you're a pretty, you're a pretty, uh, high performance dude. I, w- I would consider you in that high performance category, the, in the excellence category. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. that's what I for. Yeah. yeah. So, and do you ever feel like it's, uh, I mean, I'm going to try to conceptualize this. Do you ever feel like maybe you kind of let your guard down when you walk in or maybe like some of the things that you, you know, you strive for excellence outside the home all the time. And then let me put it in terms of me. I find myself not doing those things. Like let's say taking ownership um, because I feel a little bit more comfortable around my wife or because this is my place to let my guard down. This is like the last place I want to take ownership in. Do you, do you ever feel some of that? You know what I I mean? I totally do. I totally do. And I've noticed this a lot over the past probably six months or so. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where, you know, if we're just hanging out on the couch or something relaxing, I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to go work for a few hours and really focus. So it just takes an extra level of willpower, discipline, whatever you call it to, to get up and keep going because I think it is such a comfortable spot for us. I think, Yeah. yeah, I think, we just feel very, uh, like you said, uh, with our guard low or just not up at all. Yeah. So it's it is tough to keep that nose to the grind mentality, even when you're in your home. And I and yeah. I think I'm I'm talking especially about like the interpersonal, like striving to be good with your interpersonal relationships. I feel like there's ways that sometimes I may let Dylan down on that because. I feel like she may be like the one person that I don't have to do this with. You know what I mean? Like, for example, taking ownership, you know, I I do try to take ownership in the household, but there's days where it's almost like, you know, when a kid has been up all day and then he just needs a fucking nap. You know what I mean? When I've been taking ownership all week at work, taking ownership all week at the gym, doing a podcast about taking ownership. And then we get into like a small argument. It's like, I just throw a tantrum and I'm like, no, you fix this. You know what I mean? Like, this is your fault. This is, you know, and it's blatant my fault oh, or yeah. you know like or like the how do you kind of solve that dynamic for for people that you know are some of those high performance I, I feel like it is an issue when you know when guys like us that are that are doing the best we can to be excellent out in the real world maybe sometimes coming in and, and not keeping that up with our wives because we need a little bit of a break or at least in my experience do you, do you feel that I do that's a great point and you know the way that I combat that issue uh, and this has obviously been learned it wasn't a natural thing is yeah. you get so comfortable in this relationship that you can like you said let your guard down on it and almost subconsciously not stress the importance of excellence on it so i think a big key in that is to prioritize that relationship just like you prioritize your work just like you prioritize your health and fitness right it, it needs to hold the same weight and if you can get to that point where you're operating on all cylinders everything is of equal importance then i think that starts to become a much less visited issue right and and i think one of the ways that i I like that um making it a priority that's been one of the ways that i've kind of gotten around that but i think another part of it is that we were talking about having expectations for those around you i think if there is one exception for hey i don't have expectations for the people around me one ex one exception for that is the people in your immediate home and your wife and your kids you know what I mean? And one way that I've been able to help kind of combat that is is teaching Dylan and asking her and exp- 
you know, have, setting expectations for how we both act in the house. That way we're both trying to do these things and it's not constantly on me to, to, to do that. You know what I mean? For, yeah. for example, you know, like the taking ownership of arguments, you know what I mean? Like we've talked about this a couple of times. I've talked about it on my, on my episodes, previous episodes of, Hey, you know, why are the dishes not done? Well, both of you look at each other and say, well, we didn't do the dishes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Having that expectation of DLN of like, Hey, look, I'm going to try to lead by example and I'm going to try to do this and I'm going to try to own every problem that we have here. I also need that from you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like setting that expectation so that when you do fall short, instead of it being a, t- a catastrophe when you fall short, maybe she'll pick up a little bit of that of that slack in the home. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Does Definitely. that am I, am I making any sense? Yeah, yeah. You know, we have we've went through many arguments of this same thing and it's it's honestly where one of us has fallen short and not taking ownership in something and for us, we don't necessarily have responsibilities in the home or like expectations of you need to do this or yeah. I need to do this. It's if there's a problem, address it. But if you don't know how, like, for example, we had a, a faucet that was leaking and I wouldn't expect Lisa to do that. Yeah. Um, but she let me know and I handled it. And if, you know, if there was something that I couldn't do and she was out or if she was out if she could run by the store, I would have her pick something up or whatever. So it's a lot of a teamwork type thing, but you, yeah, I think you're right. You, you have to communicate in some way of if we want this house to, you know, operate with, you know, a, a certain expectation, then we both have to have that mindset of we take care of what needs to be taken care of. Yeah, exactly. I, I, and I think that's key and being clear with those expectations with your wife too. And, you know, I think a lot of guys will, well, they'll be super clear with their kids about what their expectations are or super clear with their employees. You know what I mean? And not that your wife, your wife is your equal that, you know, they'll be super clear with their boss about what their expectations are. Um, but when it comes to their wife, they don't, they're not super clear with what they expect out of them. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And, and I think that's been a big benefit of me like sitting down and saying like, look, tell me what you expect from me and I'm going to tell you what I expect for you. And then we're both going to have to go over the line on that. You know what I mean? Like if there's, if there's a line of 50, 50 effort in here, we both need to understand, but we both need to realize very quickly when somebody else is falling past that line and they're not holding up to it. Mm -hmm. And then we need to try to make up that difference. You know, if it's a one day and I'm not giving, I'm only giving 40%, you know what I mean? You're going to have to give the 60 in order for this to kind of run a little bit, you know, run better. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You, it is ebb and flow. You know, sometimes maybe, maybe she's working a lot more hours than what she's typically doing. You're going to have to wash the dishes. You're going to have to do yep. some of the things that yep. maybe she likes to take on. But, uh, you know, we, we do that same thing. If, you know, if I haven't, if I haven't taken care of the yard or whatever in a while, you know, she'll, she's not afraid to just do it. And then yeah. I just, I feel bad. So I'm like, what have I done? You know, yeah. So yeah. I, you, I get that feeling too. Totally. I bought a lawnmower with, because Dylan likes to mow. And so I bought a lawnmower with an electric start just so that I knew that she could start it up and mow it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I get, I get some bad allergies when I, when I mow and stuff like that. Yeah. She hasn't touched the damn thing oh, because no. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> no, this yeah. is my lawn. I'm the man of this house. You're not touching my damn lawnmower. Yeah, you know what I mean? I'll, I'll sacrifice the allergies. Yeah. And I bought it just with the intention of her being able to do that. <laughs> So uh, sometimes I do buy myself, you know, or shoot myself in the foot on that of like, yeah, she could, 
you know, change the light bulbs. But then I'm like, no, don't do it. I'll do it when I get home. Cause yeah, I'm the yeah. man. I'm the man, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you, you want to take care of your wife and vice versa. She wants to take care of you. So it's, yeah. you know, there's a lot of overlap. Yeah, there is. So kind of let the guys know, um, I don't want to just blast your age out. You're, you're what, 30? Something like that, 32. 32. Um, so I am just going to blast your age out. <laughs> but so what uh, What did it take to find a good woman? Um, you know, we kind of talked about this with John. Um, you said you found yourself, found her a little bit later. Um, you're closer to John in age than what I thought you were. Um, what was it like dating as an adult? And how did you... Um, how did you date as an adult and what did you have to do in order to find a good woman that complimented you? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, dating as, as an adult is, is different in the sense that you eventually get to a point where you find out, you know, what types of personalities fit you. Right. And you know, they, they have to meet certain expectations, expectations, (laughs) right. But, but not in the sense that they have to be a certain way. They just, like I said, if, if they're trying to better themselves in some form or fashion, you know, that's, that's the first thing. And if they, you know, if they, they want to be healthy, they want to set and achieve big goals. Those are great things. So for me, it was a lot of finding that type of person, but then they can check those boxes, but then there's a compatibility aspect to it. Some people that are, you know, a high performer, you might just not get along with. So that is another, you know, that's another issue in itself. You, you have to learn how to, you know, ebb and flow with this person. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things for me was just patience. I, you know, I've, you know, had my fair share of relationships and there were always things early on that it just didn't, it didn't feel 100% right. And, you know, with this one, it did, it really just felt right from the beginning. And it was, um, you know, it was definitely a lot of work because we've had a lot of arguments to get to this point where we're at. And, you know, there's going to be times in the future that we slip up and we're going to have to reevaluate, you know, get back on this path and how do we do that? So I think a lot of it dating as as an adult, it has to do with patience and what do you, what do you expect out of a partner as far as how they are going about their life? Right. And I think to, that was a really good answer. I think I'm going to jump back from the specifics because you, you kind of focused on the high performance stuff. I think one of the main things is that you need to, you really need to dive in and decide what you want, whether it is a high performance like you did or whether you want a trad wife, stay at home, take care of the kids, really establish what you want. And then have you heard of, uh, have you heard Andy Frazella say like, be, be the person you want to attract? Like, I, I'm sure you didn't come oh, up with totally. that, yeah. but I like heard that from a long time, um, yeah. being, you know, if you want a high performance wife, be a high performance wife. If mm-hmm. you want a trad wife that keeps a good house and takes care of the home and, and, and that's not a bad thing, by the way, people, oh, yeah, absolutely. you know what I mean? If you want a, a trad wife that takes care of the house and takes care of the kids and stuff well then clean your damn house you know yeah, what i mean that's like a hard job in itself yeah, yeah. Home homes for sure yeah and so like would you agree with the idea that you need to be what you want to attract to it to a certain extent like if you want to date an artist but you're not artistic then that well, may be kind of hard but yeah absolutely i think like attracts like and that 
that couldn't be more true in the person that you're trying to attract. So, um, you know, there's, there's a spiritual component to this as well. Right. If you're, you know, you're out getting, you know, hammered on the weekends and you're out doing drugs or whatever, you, you're yeah. probably not going to attract super high quality. Yeah. But you know, if, if what you're doing on a daily basis reflects what you want your partner to be doing, you're just putting yourself in a particular place in the universe to welcome that type of person. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's always it's always funny. Like, I like to go to the extremes because it, it highlights some ridiculousness. But it's the dude like going out to the bar, having one night stands all the time, and he's like, "I want a Christian virgin trad wife." And it's like, "Yeah, bro." Yeah, you know. And what what sucks living. is sometimes he finds it, and then she gets, you know, she gets burned on that. But yeah, that's tough. I mean, but, it kind of goes back to like what I said. You gotta you gotta be what you want. You got You got to yeah. be the example. So what kind of is y'all's, uh, how would you describe like the dynamics in, in, in your relationship? So you, you had kind of mentioned in the past of we are two, two whole people coming together. And would you describe it as more of a team? Would you describe it as a single unit? What are kind of the, the I'm asking you to riff a little bit. It's not a very, I'm not setting you up very sure. well, but kind of explore what your relationship dynamics are. And once you found the girl dating as an adult, how do you, how did you figure out your, your dynamic and what works well in your, in your relationship? Yeah. Well, for, for me, especially I, I can get pretty heavily invested into my goals. So first thing I, I have to have a partner that understands that a lot of my energy goes towards that. That's not to say that our relationship is any less than at all because it's right. not, but just setting that out there. So they're clear. Now, the second thing, when it comes to the compatibility with a person like this, I think for us, we work really well because we're two individuals that do have our own goals. We have our own pursuits that we're after. When you can come together and work as more of a team like a unit that right. that tends to lend itself better than um you know a, a codependent type trait where you know your success affects how i carry myself on a daily basis if you have a bad day i have a bad day that that doesn't work well for you know people that are you know very individualistic like us where we're trying to achieve these high level goals so you've got to you've got to be able to help the person when they need a shoulder to lean on and you know help pick them up but you can't get so bogged down in their emotions to the point that it pulls you down and then you're both stuck yeah so part of it has to you you have to listen you have to listen to your partner and hear where they're coming from by the way this is all learned by trial and error trial and error yeah um, we've we've had many arguments about this but what i've learned is listening to her when she's going through something doesn't necessarily mean that I have to fix it. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> so this is like the most, the, the guys, the, the, the biggest problem for guys is, you know, they always want to fix it. And yeah. I, I'm the biggest, um, you know, did the Ellen set you up with that? Did she like you write, write that on a piece of paper for no, you? No, I've, <laughs> or Lisa has like drilled it into my head many, many times that, you know, I don't always have to fix it. Yeah. And, you know, that's part of making a relationship work is actually listening and, and not, not telling them, yeah. but, you know, uh, giving them a shoulder to lean on when they need it. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it is a give and take on, you know, on the woman's side too. don't just like dump every single problem on your dude because he feels like he can't fix it. 
You know what I mean? Like, especially if you're going to tell him, I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to listen to it. Yeah, okay, well, yeah. even though you're telling him that, he's sitting there in his mind, how would I fix this? How would I fix this? How would I fix this? Definitely. Can't say anything. Can't say anything because she doesn't want me to fix it. <laughs> how do I fix it? How do I fix it? You know what I mean? So, I do, yeah. You know, from a woman's perspective, if, if there's any women left listening to this podcast from, from episode one, um, you don't just lay every. And Dion and I have had that that back and forth of like, Okay, maybe I do need to ask how her day is going. You know what I mean? Because maybe she needs to talk about it. But also, don't come in here and just throw all of your negativity on me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? From your bad day. Because I had to, you know, I tried to leave my bad day in the truck. And if I'm cooking and you just come in here and tell me all the 25 things that happened bad in your day, you know what I mean? It, it, it just brings me down even farther. And so, kind of like you say, ebbs and flows. I, I remember that. I, it, it's kind of hard for me to. I don't know what exactly what that comes from, but the ebbs and flows, you, you have to do that in, in almost everything. And I, I definitely think of, you know, the negativity and, and your emotions with your significant other. I think it's important in that aspect. Like they're not just your trash can for negative emotion, you know, or, yeah. you know, positive emotion. Like if they're having a bad day and you're just way too, you know, way too positive and happy about your life, like don't, you know, try to empathize with them and, you know, understand why they're having a bad day. Like, I feel like a lot of people just dump their emotions on their significant other mm-hmm. and that creates a lot of an issues. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, I definitely would. And that kind of goes back to setting boundaries. You know, yeah. we're, Lisa and I have our own boundaries that, you know, we, we will hear the person, we'll do what we can to help them, but yeah. we can't allow ourselves to get into a negative headspace if they had something that went bad that day you don't nest it's it may be counterintuitive to what a lot of people believe but you know you can't you can't find yourself falling into negativity if you're possibly the only positive thing of that day that can lift them back up i'm really bad about that like if if that's one thing that i definitely need to work on is most most people's emotions don't affect me in the world you know like you can come and I'm actually really good at keeping my cool or, you know, keeping emotionally stable with other people Mm -hmm. that goes out the window with Dylan out the window. Like I could be having like a great day. And if she comes in with like a hint of attitude or a hint of negativity, I'm just like, you know, throwing my hands up. Like, I, you know, why, why do you have such a bad attitude? You know what I mean? Like, Hey, I'm right there with you. You know, like it's so hard for me to like maintain that PMA when she's the one. And I I don't know the psychology behind that. I want to talk to some, maybe we can explore it of why, why she has such an effect on me, but nobody else does. You know what I mean? Like there's been times where you've been in a bad mood at the gym. You know what I mean? And I come in there and, and you'll be in a bad mood. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck he's so pissed off about, but (laughs) I'm still going to have a good lift and give him shit while I'm doing it. You know what I mean? Like your emotions don't affect me. But when I walk in here, and, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, I may be like a little bit positive and like, hey, what's going on? And she's like, oh, whatever. And I'm like, you know, completely ruined. You know, my attitude yeah. is completely ruined. I'm right down there where she's at. I don't know why that happens. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. You know, when you talk about PMA, positive mental attitude, when you talk yeah. about keeping that up, it's it's easier said than done because I think the, the problem is you're so invested in this person. Yeah. You're you don't want them to have a bad day. You don't want them to experience these obstacles that come up. And then if they do run into something like this, you, it's just natural for men. I believe that you want to fix it. You're, you're ready to go to war and you, when they come in with, you know, maybe a hint of attitude, like you said, it's like, 
who do I need? Who do I need to address? Like, what, yeah. what what's going on? Yeah. First of all, fix your fucking attitude, and second of all, who caused it? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. That, that's where I'm at. I'm like, first of all, fix your attitude, and second of all, tell me who caused it so that we can go fix it. Yeah. And so it, it's it's been it's been a struggle for me, and we do pretty well, you know. But and I think a lot of that is sometimes, and I I find myself telling her this of like, yeah, look, I've been taking ownership all day for the past three weeks. You know, I don't want to take ownership of this argument. Like, I don't care how it gets fixed, but you've got like two hours to figure out how to work this argument out and come to me with a solution. Like, I don't give a shit what the solution is, but we're not just going to forget about this argument. You know what I mean? Like putting that on her because I have spent so much of my and I know I don't need to do this, but I have spent so much of my energy like trying to help other people or making decisions is a big one. Mm -hmm. You know, like. There are times I get legitimately pissed off when she won't pick where she wants to eat. Because, oh, okay. like, I'll have a, a, a day at work where I've had to make this decision and this decision and this decision. And I've had to make hard-ass decisions. It was more so at one of my last jobs where it was just constantly all of this stuff was on my shoulders. Oh, okay. And then I'd walk in. I'd be like, where do you want to go eat? And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, I, I'm done with you. Like, we're not eating at all. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just make the decision, you know. And I feel like it's because I've been giving that energy out. To, to people all all day it's when I come in here I feel like I should be taken care of you know what I mean like I, I shouldn't have to do that you know and you know sometimes you do it's unrealistic to think that you shouldn't have to do those things in the home mm. this, this should be the place where you do the most um, but it, it's hard man it's hard it is you know relationships are tough to navigate that's why that's why so many people do talk about the struggles that are involved um, because you know every everybody can share those for sure yeah uh, yeah no it's 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 hard, man. It's hard. I think y'all do it pretty well. Oh, well, thanks. Y'all are kind of in that uh, the the John and Jarissa category to where it's it's a lot of work. You know, we have our we have our fair share of arguments and disagreements, but we always try to one hundred percent of the time reach a resolution. What do we need to do from here to make this not happen again? Yes, be better for it. So it just it's it's trial and error. Trial and error. So I want to go over quickly. What are your uh, top male role models? Who, who do you look up to and why? Yeah, top male role models. Uh, first, I'd have to say my dad uh, always instilled a very strong work ethic in me from you know the time I was a young kid. I, I didn't necessarily have a problem with working hard, but seeing it helped instill that, right. that belief in me that this is what I need to do. There's no question about it. Yes, sir. But, you know, oddly enough, I don't really look up to a lot of people necessarily. I like to look to people for the way they do things and try to take a little bit of knowledge from everybody. So they're, you know, the work ethic of people like Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan is something that I really took as a kid and used that in the, the pursuit of knowledge that Warren Buffett shows with his investments and how he's constantly reading and constantly learning yeah. of what can I invest in and how can I better myself uh, mentally with with as much knowledge as possible. So I it's more so of looking towards people and taking from, you know, what they do in their life that works right. instead of just having a particular role model that that's who I that's who I emulate or model my life after. Yeah, that makes sense. So are you a basketball dude? I've never noticed you talking much about basketball, but you mentioned it two or three times now. I'm just a sports guy. I, the funny thing is, 
I don't watch sports. I just like to play them. So yeah. if if there's any type of competition, you can catch me there if I'm able to compete in it. Yeah. But I don't really, you know, I don't I don't watch a lot of sports just because I get way more excitement off of playing them. And I, I do like basketball, but it, it's not really my thing. I'm yeah. too short for that. That makes sense. I do remember inviting you to some like, hey, let's come watch football. And you're like, I don't watch sports. And I'm like, you're yeah. literally the most fucking competitive guy I know. Like, <laughs> I like, know. like you don't watch, and you're like, nah. And I'm like, I guess, I guess that makes sense. You know what I mean? Knowing you, now, the more I know you, the, yeah. I guess the more that makes sense. But no, I like that. I take a little bit from everybody. You know, I do that a lot in some of my other endeavors like archery or like shotgun shooting. And it's kind of funny to see that's when people's arrogance really flares up is when you'll only take like one thing that they say. You know what I mean? Like it's always just interesting to see, you know, people it's like, oh, yeah, I really like what you're doing. And then they think that you're like all in on them and then they'll tell you something else. And you're like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. it's kind of an interesting dynamic when you look at it like that. But I do. I do think that's the best way to do it is because I know a guy that he knows a lot about hunting with a bow, but also he draws his bow like shit. You know what I mean? Like his, his draw on his bow is terrible and he's going to have AC joint, you know, problems because he draws it wrong. And so, you know, I take what I can from him. And then when he tells me that I'm drawing my bow wrong, I take everything he says and I throw it in the trash. You know what I mean? Cause definitely, I, you know, I know people that are more experienced that do it a different way, you know? Well, you know, part of, part of getting to this point where just learning from different people and taking their thoughts and, you know, trying to make them my own in a way that that's come from just living life. Because when I was younger, I wanted to be like a particular person. I wanted to be that person before I, you know, gained a lot more confidence in myself and understood that I'm going to have a very hard time being this other person. So I might as well just try to perfect being myself. Yeah. And maybe, maybe that'll, that'll take me somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. I think Kim Haynes has a, uh, have you read Endure yet? Mm-hmm. I think he's got a little section in the book about like, be you like, don't yeah, be totally. me, be you. Um, I think he, he, I think he does have a section in there and the, you know, part of that came from me. You mentioned it like way back in the beginning of this episode about like being knowledgeable about what you're doing. And then maybe you can come up with like, I think we were talking about, uh, um, it starts with an S, the uh, scales, um, the scales on, you know, be knowledgeable about what you're doing. I think a lot of that mentality of, hey, I'm only going to take a certain part of what people say that came from me learning a lot about it on my own and then understanding when people are full of shit, yeah. you know, like because I can I can go up to somebody when it's like shotgun shooting. I can go up to like a, a 10 time professional, you know, and if they say something that's full of shit, I'll know it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I don't, you know, because I've, I've researched it enough to know when somebody's just blatantly you know, full of shit. And so that I think having that knowledge yourself of whatever you're trying to do and learn from other people, um, doing your own work instead of just taking everybody at their word. I think that's essential. Yeah. Whatever it is that you're doing, you should, you should at least try to develop some type of base, base level knowledge, even if it is in the gym and you just go just to sweat, yeah. uh, you know, learn a little bit about what you're doing. Why, what is the purpose of being on the treadmill for 45 minutes? If that's what you're doing, is there a way that I could be doing this a little bit better? So thinking of different things in your life, you don't have to be an expert on anything, but as long as you have a little bit to be dangerous, then I think that you'll, you'll see more progress in different areas of your life. That makes a lot of sense. So, um, what was I, let's talk about weight loss for a little bit. Let's talk about burning calories and burning fat to kind of, um, recap. We had had a conversation a little bit earlier about lifting weights and stuff like that. This is something I wanted to hit with you of 
say somebody just decides they want to lose weight and be healthy. What are we going to start doing? What's the first thing we're going to start doing? I know my experience and I know what you kind of put me through, but as a coach for those people that just want to get healthier, lose a little bit of weight, what, how, how do you walk them through that? Obviously I know it's subjective and that was part of the part that we'll we'll probably talk about how subjective it is, but just in general, what are we going to start doing? What are our first steps? Yeah. Well, if someone it's, it's hard to speak in absolutes on this, but when, when someone is just getting started in their fitness journey, the, the, the best thing that they can do is create activity in some way, whether that's walking, yeah. uh, if they can jog, that's awesome. But just moving more is going to create a little bit more of the calorie expenditure that they're looking for. Yeah. Now, as they progress, then you can start introducing, you know, weights and different types of cardiovascular training and then also implementing dietary changes. Right. So just starting out, move move however you can and try to move for a set amount of time whether it be if you can only do 15 minutes that's mm-hmm. awesome if you can work up to 45 minutes that's that's a great point to start to adjust and challenge yourself a little bit more maybe throw in a little bit of jogging at that point what made you push me to 75 hard that, that, that was that was the question i was trying to think of earlier and i came up with the how do we lose weight what made you push me to 75 hard yeah so when when I had completed the 75 hard program and the live hard program, which is the year version of that, what it, what it taught me was another level of discipline that I didn't know that I had. Yeah. And I know for people, especially that are starting off in a, in an uphill battle when it comes to weight loss is that is a component that's going to be very crucial for the long term success of their weight loss journey. And that's discipline. If you can, wrap your mind around doing the small things consistently every day that is what's going to turn into these great physique changes that people are after when they're trying to lose weight and doing the small things on 75 hard is like drinking the gallon of water and reading 10 pages every day so you do those and you know after you read 10 pages it's not you don't see an immediate impact you're not necessarily any smarter but you do this for a year yeah you are completely changed because the facts come to you a lot quicker. You're just more knowledgeable of, you know, what's going on around you. And yeah. you've seen the accumulation of doing these small things every day. Right. So what, what did you think I needed some of that? Is that what, what specifically with, with me, what made you decide? To, Cause I, I remember it was very quick. You had never mentioned it before. And then we were like on a phone call. Were you just tired of my shit or like, <laughs> no, you, you had said a couple of things to me and what I had noticed is that you were having trouble dialing down a routine, really, a, a workout routine specifically. Because if I recall right, that was about the time where you were coming to CrossFit a little bit. You were still lifting weights a little bit. But what you were doing was you were you were in a position where neither one was progressing in the way that you wanted. Correct. And if you can... If you can really jump in the deep end on something like 75 hard, it forces you to up your, you can say volume, your training volume, because you've got to hit a workout every day. You're going to get into a routine regardless of what it is, whether you just lifted weights every day or whether you did CrossFit every day. It doesn't really matter. What you're doing is you're building consistency. And that's what I saw that you had hinted at that was missing without explicitly saying that. Yeah. And that's why I thought this is something you need to try. Yeah, no, I think, I think that was good. And I, I think it was the, I think the phone call that you said it was, I think it was just a phone call for me to bitch. Like it was just something that I think I was just calling you to bitch about something. 
and then you were like, hey, have you tried 75 hard? I remember this. Yeah, and I was like, and I, I immediately started to give you an excuse. And I don't know if you remember, but I stopped myself. And I said, I cannot believe I just said that. I sound like a bitch. I'm going to start it tomorrow. You did. You did. Like I, I know it wasn't immediately. I think I gave myself like three days to get things in order. Uh-huh. But I was like, I, I remember stopping myself and like, I, I'm being a bitch. Like, I, you know, you know, like it was just complete. Give me, give me your uh, recount of that. No, I remember it. I was pulling into a grocery store parking lot and you did call me. It was some complaint about something. I don't remember what it was. And, uh, that's when I just said, you know what, this guy, this guy needs to see what he's made out of. Yeah. And, uh, and it would be a good challenge. Yeah. And I, Obviously, you stepped up to it because yeah. you, you stuck it out. So yeah, I, well, I appreciate that. Absolutely life changing. Yeah, yeah. And that is what I missed. You know what I mean? I did. I mean, I did CrossFit from like November, November to the end of January, without seeing much of any results. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the heaviest I ever weighed. And by the way, you're the only proof I ever have that I weighed 334 pounds. You're the only proof that I, I didn't never took a picture or anything like that. I don't have an in body at that weight. But remember, because remember I the remember. scales that Zach's had two different weights? Yeah. Remember we went to one and it was like 314. Yeah, it was and, way off. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, I'm, I'm <laughs> feeling good, you know? And then we went to a different scale and it was like 335. And that then was heart You were like, oh, <laughs> hey, it, which... It was, this was so fun. You did what you had to do and you went the extra mile for me, but it was so embarrassing because the, the scale at the gym wouldn't work. And so you brought your fucking pallet scale, <laughs> your, like your, your shingle scale for me to like step on. And I've never felt more like cattle than standing on that son of a bitch because it's such a big scale and it had like the actual like separated readout, you know what I mean? That you like run cattle through, you know? And I was like, but you, you did it. Like you brought it, you went through the extra time. So like I'm not upset with you. I was upset with myself, but um, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, you know, because like, and still, I go, I go jump on that. Y'all need to get a new damn scale I at that know. gym because I, I jump on that scale and it's like fat, fat, fat. It, it doesn't give me any. It doesn't read anyone. You're yeah. right. We do need to. We, we need, need to get to. a different scale. Yeah, we do. We anybody do. over like 250 won't. It won't weigh them. But uh, yeah, I remember that. But anyway, all of that was to say that. I didn't make much progress from November to like, you know, the end of January. Mm-hmm. And it really was, I feel like I've made some good progress now. And I feel like the only reason was that consistency and that discipline of like, Hey, we're going to do the same things every day. And I didn't do CrossFit every day through mm-hmm. 75 hard. You know, I think on your live hard, you did CrossFit seven days a week for most of that. Didn't you? Uh, for the 75 hard, I did. Yeah, yeah. I did cross it most of the days. But when I, as I progressed through live hard, I started implementing different days. Like some days I would do just lifting somewhat. I would do cross it. Yeah. And that's kind of how I did. And dude, the, the fact that a 45 minute walk counted that saved my life. You know what I mean? Because I wasn't physically in tune with my body. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't an athlete. And so you know, and a 45 minute walk does count like that. You're burning calories at that point. You know what I mean? You're, you're out, you're off the couch, you're doing something, you're moving constantly. And so the fact that that was able to count, it it allowed me to have that consistency of like, Hey, I don't have to go in and kill myself at CrossFit every single day, but I do have to do something twice a day, every single day. Yeah. And it, it absolutely mass, absolutely life-changing forcing me to read, forcing me to do all those things. 100% turning point in my life. 
And so I appreciate you pushing me towards that. Yeah, man, totally. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't recommend things that I haven't necessarily done or that I wouldn't do myself. Yeah. So I, I definitely wouldn't have recommended it to you if I didn't get such great results off of it. So yeah. I'm, glad you, I'm glad you went through it. Yes, sir. What results did you get from it? Cause you were, you were already, so if you listen to Bret Hart, I said, there's only like one person I know that could do all this stuff and not really be super uncomfortable with it. And that was you. I don't know. I don't know if you felt your ears burning when I said that, but that was you to where, and maybe I'm wrong. It seemed like, uh, it seemed like you were kind of made for that program. And what did you, what, what did you get from that? And was it surprising how hard it was or was it a cakewalk? How did that go? You know, I, I made a video on this when I finished the program and you know, at first I was that guy that was like, ah, I don't need 75 hard. I'm too disciplined or I, I'm, I'm good with where I'm at. And you know, that, that was strictly ego that that was nothing more than that. And it took me getting to a point where I felt stagnant and I needed to level up a little bit. I thought, you know what? I should try this. So I, I did it and definitely uncomfortable in the sense that there are days that you'll encounter that you don't want to perform the process. You don't want to do any of it. And it's, it's those days that you see the most progress because anybody can survive the first week because you're motivated. And to cap off that first week, you're like, yeah, I'm on a roll. But then you get into that middle of that program and that's where it's rough. That's when you start to really see what you're made out of. But the thing that was really appealing to me is that it put me out of my comfort zone in so many different areas. So like I mentioned earlier, I'm not totally extroverted. I'm not totally introverted. So there's a requirement in the live hard program that you have to walk up to a stranger and it has to be a legitimate stranger and have a conversation with them. And it can't just be, Hey, how's it going? So that, that was really the biggest reason why I even did the program to begin with, because I knew that very last phase of that program, I would have to go up to people and really do what I was uncomfortable doing. Yeah. Can they come to you? Just, just a sidebar. If they come to you, does that count? Totally. I think, I, I would I, think that that counts. Yeah. I think that counts as long as, uh, you know, you don't know them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Cause I think you counted me. I, I told you, I said, I think the first day that we kind of talked that you, you seemed like you were now that I know what live hard looks like, it seemed like you were doing that. Cause you only worked out for like 45 minutes. And I said, I guarantee you, cause I went back and looked at your 75 hard video of when you started. It's like, I guarantee you I was his fucking stranger that day. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't put it past me on that one. Cause you know, that, that was, that was 30 days of battling that decision of, man, I really don't want to do this today. And I went to the grocery store more times than I needed to just to get that done. I would walk up to people and, you know, in the, in the, you know, whatever aisle it was and just say, Hey, you tried this. Do you like it? What do you know about it? I don't even want the product. I'm just trying to get this conversation knocked out. So put it back on the shelf. They're watching you put it back on the yeah. shelf after talking to them. Yeah, they're selling me on this product of how good it is. I'm like, oh, cool. Put, put it, it back, back on the shelf leave. And, and roll out. Yeah. So it's uh, you know, it it's it's good in all aspects to to push you out of your comfort zone. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's it's so wild to see what people what hangs up for people. Like the stranger part, I'm gonna love the stranger part because I, I talk will. I talk to strangers all the time. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. 
Dylan probably hates it because we'll be walking, you know, in the grocery <laughs> store and like, dude, I'm literally going to spend every day in the grocery store just because I already love it so much. <laughs> but we'll be walking like this dude just has an excellent mustache. Like it's, it's a fine mustache. <laughs> pristine. Yeah, it's pristine. And we'll just on a re- it's not even a requirement for my program. And I'm like, you have an excellent mustache, sir. And, you know, you either get the. You know, the, the side eye, like the look of like, thanks. And then he just walks off or you get the guy that's, you know, pretty cool. And D. Ellen hates it because the awkward ones, she just has to kind of like stand there and endure, you know, yeah. and there are some awkward ones, but I'm going to love it. I, you know, <laughs> and I think the, the hard thing about 75 hard was that when you're a high performance person, kind of like, you know, you or what I kind of sort of became at the end of the, at the end of the 75 hard so one of the hardest parts about that is that sometimes you felt like there were things you had to do that were more important than this program, mm-hmm. like legitimately more important than, the, than this program. Yeah. And you're having to put those aside to go get a, you know, a fucking 45 minute walk in. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're like, but I need, I need to go sight in my bow. You know what I mean? Because I've got this that I've got to do tomorrow and I need to do this, you know, or I need to go fix my truck. Okay. Well, it's nine o'clock. And you still haven't done your workout, you know, yeah. like, prioritizing that above all else for me that was part of the hardest part of when I actually had something very important to do that day um, giving up that important thing to, to to fulfill the program understanding that in the long term the program is more important yeah it's just training you to do those things that you said you're going to do and yeah completing it yeah you you ended up liking the cold showers didn't you oh I love them I love you them. love the, do you I, still do them I still do them yeah yeah, you're a different breed, dude. <laughs> it, it was it was acquired though. Like yeah. it took a minute. It took a minute to get used to it. But um, you know how I felt afterwards was just completely different than how I felt after a hot shower. I just felt so much more energy after yeah. being in that cold shower for five minutes. Maybe, maybe what's wrong is I don't I don't shower in the mornings. Mm-hmm. So I like, and I don't know if that's gross or not. Maybe people can educate me. But I always like to shower right before I go to bed because mm-hmm. you know. Some people do both and that's just a waste of water. I don't, I don't wake up in the morning and immediately shower unless I work out. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, I think that's part of the reason I really don't like them is because I don't like that energy right before I go to bed. Um, and there were some times during 75 hard where I had to do that cold shower. I would typically do the cold shower first if that was the case. Mm -hmm. And I was about to go to bed and Huberman, do you listen to Huberman at all? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a one. Don't do that. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Before you go to bed, if you actually want to sleep is don't shock your body with cold because what your body going to do, your body's going to warm up. Well, sleep requires your body to cool down. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so what I would typically do is do that five minute cold shower, just sit there and shiver. And then immediately (laughs) once that, that dinger turned off, it was like a battle of the dinger is annoying the shit out of me, but also I need to get this to hot. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like flipping it over to hot and then shutting off the annoying (laughs) ass alarm. Um, you know, to, and I would sit there and actually take my shower in the evening. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I, I do think that some of the things it was kind of hard to stick with, like, especially some of the dietary things that I know some people that just rolled right out of, of 75 hard and never changed a thing. Um, and I, I just finished phase two on Monday, well on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So Monday was my first day of quote unquote freedom, you know, discipline equals freedom. But you know, Monday was my first day of not having to adhere to that program. And I I noticed that I've gotten better after every iteration after 75 hard, I kind of hit a, you know, 
kind of went back into my old ways a little bit. I was working out more, drinking more water, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it felt like I, I, I went on a deep slide. You know, it felt like I went on a 100-foot slide when really I only slid about 50 foot, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, looking back. But in the middle of it, I was like, damn, I'm really a piece of shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, on phase one, it was a little bit less of that, you know what I mean? I Definitely. ate a little bit of less, you know, shit. I did a little bit more of my workouts, drank more water. And now on phase two, I'm doing pretty well, but there's still, like, I've had candy, like once a day for the past three days. You know what yeah. I mean? Like just because I'm like, damn it, I can have candy now, you know, yeah. I'm going to go get me some candy. And so how did you, what was the best way to make it stick now that you didn't have that regimen and program? What was the motivation to, to help that stick? You know, it comes down to this question that I ask myself on a daily basis since basis and it's who do I want to become? Right. And you know, it, this is a question that is different for everybody. So you know, for me, part of who I want to become is I need to be eating properly most of the time. So having that as the foundation of really everything else, it helps a little bit because I can look down at what I'm eating and, you know, ask, okay, is this, is this getting me closer to where I want to be? And that's not to say that I don't, you know, have cheat meals or, or eat what I actually want to sometimes because I do, Yeah. but I, you know, I tend to follow like the 80, 20 rule when it comes to eating well, I try to eat well the majority of the time. 80% of the time. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a good rule. And that's kind of a, I mean, that's one cheat meal a week. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I think I don't know math. I'm an engineer. I can't do math. <laughs> Close uh, enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, that, that comes out to about one cheat meal or one cheat day a week. You know what I mean? <laughs> and like I said, I'm kind of giving myself a week to just do the things I kind of want to do. You know what I mean? Yep, to an yep. extent, and way better than what I was. You know what I mean? Way better. I still haven't had, I don't think I've had anything fried you know, cause that's one of the things I cut out of my 75 hard diet was no fried food whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. If it's touched deep fried, you know, deep fried food, like you, you can saute something with a little bit of oil, you know, sure. like that's how you cook a salmon or a steak or whatever, but like actual deep fried food couldn't touch it for all of my 75 hard phases. And I don't think I've touched it since. So no, it's false. I had a pork rind today. Um, I ate a pork rind today. Well, I think but, that's pretty safe. Yeah. 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 Overall. Uh, yeah, it's, that's the thing about that program is it's very subjective on the diet. But I think if you're, if you're constantly on you, it does help to flip the switch off a little bit and recalibrate a little bit, take it, take a small break to get back on the long-term goal. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. And the, let's talk about, I don't want to go super deep into nutrition. Um, we're, we're getting close to time, but I don't want to go super deep into nutrition, but you like to follow a macro diet if if I know you well enough. Typically, yeah. Um, I, I find that really hard. I, I know there. I know it's probably the best way to do the diet. Um, but for me, kind of like the workouts. For me, the best way to do a diet is anything that's good for you that you can do consistently. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And even workouts, like anything that's good for you that you can do consistently on a yeah. seven day a week basis. And for me, that was an exclusionary diet. And I feel like it's maybe something that isn't very isn't very, I don't know about studied or something like that. Um, I I don't find many people doing it. And what I did is I just identified the things that most caused me to overeat or that, that were putting the most empty calories. I identified those because I have a a little bit of a routine like fried food. Mm -hmm. Um, I identified those and said, you cannot eat those. You know what I mean? I kind of have a, what is your thought process on that? Because the the idea of I can eat whatever I want, as long as it's in my macros. I feel like a lot of people get kind of shitty with that of like, well, I had three boneless wings. It's like, that's not nutrition. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, I agree. It's, um, you know, it, the thing about eating 
is you have to do what's sustainable. Right. So the macros for people who might not know what that is, that's eating a certain amount of carbohydrates, a certain amount of protein and a certain amount of fat every day. The reason why it works so well is because it is calculated consistently. So without question, you're eating the same amount every day. So therefore it's going to be easier to attain results when you eat intuitively, like kind of what you're talking about where, um, uh, or an elimination diet rather where you're you're taking things out that you know aren't helping you right and eating that way it is a great way to get going on your health and fitness journey but there will be a point where during your weight loss journey that you'll need to dial in a little bit better or maybe better is not the word but dial in a little bit more yeah to where you can be eating a little bit more protein if you're trying to build muscle and you know supplying the the muscles with carbohydrates uh, so you're not going into the crossfit gym and falling to your knees because you don't have enough glycogen or sugar in your body to perform the, the workouts yeah so the the more advanced you get into this journey the easier it is to achieve results by dialing in a little bit better okay now, that makes ton, sense yeah there's a ton of different ways you can do it um, you can do a fist or a hand measurement system where you do like a, you know, a, a fistful of protein or whatever, a fistful of vegetables, a palm full of protein as a serving estimate yeah. that can help you bridge that gap from intuitively eating towards a macro style of eating. So let me, let me preface with, I kind of said that wrong. You had me track my food for a long time. And so I think what I really did is I did the macro, I I did macro light of where I tried to hit, wasn't a super, and this wasn't during 75 hard, but I tried to hit it, wasn't a super big deal whether I hit it or not. But the main thing was tracking my food and seeing what I'm eating. So I could develop that intuitiveness of, okay, I know this amount of meat is, is about this much of protein. You know what I mean? And then occasionally I recalibrate that. Occasionally, I don't track my food 24 um, seven. I just don't, I, it doesn't. I don't get much out of it sometimes because I'm not following a macro diet. Mm. I don't get much out of it sometimes. And you know, it's one of those tedious things that I should do more often, but I do recalibrate like every couple of months where I'll go, okay, I'm going to track my food for two weeks and see what I'm eating and make sure and, and tune my diet a little bit more to make sure that I'm in, in, in step with, you know, my nutritional needs. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I think, think that's, that's helpful, helpful too. If it's always a good tool to have, if you know how to, if you know how to do that yeah. and, if you're going to go on a weight loss journey or whatever, it is a good skill to learn. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, man, I think we've hit, uh, you know, you live close. We can do this again some other day. So, um, I think we've hit all the topics for today. Do you have anything for me? Any questions for me? Um, anything that you want to hear me talk about or no? And have you, um, so, so what made you start the podcast? That's really, that's really my only question. Um, I got tired of talking about it and just decided to do it. Um, Jonah and I have, have talked about doing it for a long time. Um, because we felt like our conversations were pretty interesting and that we, you know, had something to offer. And like I said, I, that's a good question. Cause I haven't really given a, a formal answer of why I'm doing it. Um, it is to help other people, but really what made me just kind of kick off and start it was I actually had a buddy text me. Um, it was, it was one of those late night texts that you get of, you know, somebody just needs some help. And he texted me, he's like, Hey man, I need you to like lace me up with some good books and, um, I'm, I'm just struggling, you know, I, I and it was kind of, it, it felt really good because I was finally in a position where somebody would ask me that, you know what I mean? I'm finally getting started to ask like, Hey man, how do I lose weight? You know what I mean? Or, Hey dude, you're doing really good professionally. You know, how do I do this? Or, you, you know, he's, he asked, he, he reached out and asked me that. And my answer to him was, 
you really need to figure out your purpose. You know what I mean? Because you do a lot of different things. You're spread way too thin. You've got 90 different directions that you're trying to take your life. And without this direction and this identified purpose, you're going to just keep walking in circles, you know? And that's when I sat down and I was like, damn it. I just, that felt really good to help him out. And I think people need more. Um, need more of that. And the other thing was, I know so many guys that have so much to offer, not necessarily just me, you know, and the way I just phrase that, it sounds kind of arrogant. Like I'm here to help all these people. That's really not what the intent of this is. The intent is to identify guests and have conversations so that people can take from those conversations, what they think will make them better. I'm not trying to preach to people, but just helping him out. I was like, damn, that feels really good. And I think by having my friends on and having people on that, I know do certain things well. Um, it could really help. And the other reason was I've got a little brother um, that I don't really, I'm not, we're not super close. We're getting closer as time goes on as we kind of have a little bit more shared experiences and he gets a little bit more mature. We're five years apart. Okay. And so it was, you can imagine it was hard to relate, you know, as a 15 year old relating to a 10 year old, you know, like (laughs) it was, it was hard to build a super deep relationship, but I wanted to take, you know, the great foundation that my dad gave us and that, you know, all the stuff that he taught us and the stuff that I've been building on for five years, I've got a five year head start on him. Um, I wanted to make it a little bit easier for him to access some of those things that I've either a learned the hard way or B learned from reading books and stuff like that. Um, really focus on helping him, you know, do what he needs to do and, and, and be better coming out of high school and giving him a little bit of a head start that I didn't necessarily have. Not to say that my dad, doesn't do a fantastic job. He's yeah. been wonderful. You know, my mom and dad both gave me an excellent starting place, but you know, the idea is always to get better from where you started. And so that's kind of what I keep my goal. You know, Andy Frazella talks about like, if you help one customer, you know, like you've heard him talk about that of like, he started his supplement store by making sure he treated every customer you know, the same. And we're oh, not right, trying to right. sell to 20 customers. We're trying to sell to one customer and meet their needs over and over and over again yes. and build that relationship. That's kind of been my motivation with the podcast is, you know, my little brother's name's Houston is I'm trying to put something together with something that I feel like he could find useful. Cool. And, you know, as long as I'm meeting his needs and, and helping him get better, I feel like other people will find that. And, Makes complete and, sense. and, other people can get, you know, some, some benefit out of that. I like it, man. I I appreciate that. I appreciate you asking that. It kind of forced me to dive a little bit deeper than what, what I have on, on why I'm actually doing this. So what's your purpose for the podcast? Yes, sir. Awesome. Yeah. What is the purpose for the purpose podcast? No, that's it, man. Well, dude, I really appreciate you, you know, being out here. I appreciate all that you've done for me. Um, actually let's go ahead and tell this story. I tried to, I tried to give you some appreciation for everything that you've done because like you've helped me and my wife out and you know, Lisa's helped us out and, um, not, uh, not monetarily, but you, y'all done some things that you would typically charge people for uh-huh. for free for us. You know sure, what I mean? Sure. To, to help us out. And so I was like, damn it, I'm I'm a halfway good cook. I'm going to cook them a damn meal. Yes. And because of our... And it was great. It was great. It was. And we're getting to why it was almost not great. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we, it took us like three months to schedule just because we were all so busy all the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To actually schedule this meal. Yeah. But we came in, we sat down. It, it was wonder. It was steaks and green beans and all that. Yeah, I had good. a good shirt on you know what I mean like we were, <laughs> yeah. we were looking good and not two bites two bites into my steak I've never done this before and it wasn't even that big of a piece of steak I started choking and literally oh, yeah. it was such a slow process of like I remember swallowing it and I was like you know you're thinking to yourself when you're eating your food you're like that's kind of a big bite but it'll go down you know what I mean like 
you probably should have chewed that more as it's like working its way like down your throat and you're like drinking water mm-hmm. and then I started drinking some more water and I don't know if y'all noticed I like backed up from the conversation a little bit like y'all started talking and uh, this was a full like minute long ordeal before I really realized that I was choking and uh, I was like that's not really coming up and so I kind of stood up and I was like it'll, it'll come up you know what I mean and yeah. then finally I was like holy shit I haven't bre- you know I haven't taken a breath in like 45 <laughs> seconds and I remember I was like if anybody's got the best chance here to Heimlich my fat ass like if there's anybody here that is gonna Heimlich my fat ass it's gonna be Nick and so I remember turning with complete desperation to you of like save me yeah because um, I was literally choking couldn't breathe and mm. you saved you saved my life man so, you know that well, first, the food was great. And, I appreciate that. You know, it happened so fast that when you went over there to the trash, I thought you were just coughing something up. It didn't look it didn't look as serious as it was. Yeah. And then, you know, within seconds when you looked up being super pale. Yeah. Uh, you know, the flip the the switch just flipped. It was it was definitely time to make something happen. So I'm glad. Yeah. I'm so glad that we we uh, we took care of it. But yeah. Man. Well, I appreciate you doing that because like <laughs> it, you know, there's so many of these mobile ERs. I probably would have been fine because there was one right there. Like, hey, let's jump in the truck and. Let's let's get there. I might pass out, but I probably would have been okay. But you definitely saved my life because if we would have, let me put it this way: we would have been thirty minutes out of town. I'd have been dead. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you, you definitely jumped in. I remember you after that. You saying I've never heimlicked anybody before. I've, I've, you know, I've taken you know CPR and all that stuff, the training before, but never have I even seen someone choke. So yeah, and I do want to apologize because. I remember in my desperate, I said you were the one person like that could do this, but I remember having this moment of clarity while I can't breathe. I was like, he's kind of shorter than I am. Like, I wonder, I, I wonder totally. if it's going to help because like you stood, because I remember you standing up to come to me and I was like, fuck, he's short. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like yeah, I was like, I was like, damn it. The one guy that I've got here to Heimlich me is like six inches shorter than me. I wonder if this is going to yeah. work. So no. I'm sorry, but it was kind of wild how that. I've, I've been in situations where somebody else is in distress like that. Mm. Rarely ever has it been me that has been the one in distress. And so I appreciate you for that. But yeah, it, course, what a wild man. experience. So. Of course. Well, the lesson for everyone is to chew their food. Dude, yes, chew your food, but it wasn't even that big. Like, even when I coughed it up, like, you know, obviously I didn't show it around the table. Uh-huh. But, like, I was looking, I was like, that. that's what it was. You know, I was expecting, like, a chunk of, you know, a, a half-inch chunk to come out. It wasn't anything like that. So I wonder if it just kind of, like, got caught or something because yeah. I know it was like right at the point of where if I could have got it down just a little bit more it would have been fine so I think it was right at the point of where I was like trying to breathe I don't know how the human anatomy works but you know <laughs> I, I, think, you, I, I think it was like right at that point and it, yeah it was wild so chew your food yeah, um, yeah. and now I have little panic attacks when I don't like chew my food exceptionally well and I get like a big <laughs> piece of chicken or something like that I'll have a full on panic attack and I'm yeah. like where's where's Nick like where's Nick <laughs> I need him right now so thanks for that um, yeah, man, yeah let's let's plug your your content your socials I like to do it at the end so that it's fresh in people's mind what what, what is your uh, your YouTube channel and, and all your content yeah you can find me at uh, Nick T Shelton on all socials um, specifically YouTube which is what I'm most active on 
and Instagram. And then uh, I recently started with TikTok a little bit, trying to grow that a little bit. Oh, you on the TikTok? I'm, I'm on it, but uh, you know, I, I don't dance. So you don't dance? It's just similar content to the YouTube channel. Yeah, conversation for another time. But I had to delete the TikTok. I could I couldn't do it. I did it for a little bit, but do people make a lot of money doing that? They really do. They and really do. it's a good way to grow your content if you if you can look at it from a business perspective. Um, I think it's a great thing to do. Um, but from a personal perspective, I was like, I can't do it. But I guess yeah. No, that's awesome. Go find Nick. Uh, some of his videos are, are really badass, especially the ones about 75 hard. He gives a lot of good tips, um, waking up early in the morning, things like that on how to get your 75 hard done. Um, thanks everybody for listening to Nick Shelton. Um, he will be on again, uh, for sure. We'll have him back on and we'll maybe dive into some of his expertise about lifting programs, something like that. Uh, once again, if you have any comments or, or questions for me, uh, please go ahead and, and submit them on the socials. So, um, I think I'm going to start doing some Q and a stuff. So for real, if you have any questions for any of my guests or for myself, try to submit those on the socials. I'm going to find a way to do anonymous questions. Nick, you're sitting right here. Do you know of a, a decent way to do like anonymous questions? Yeah, I hope you out. You, you'll help me out. Okay. So I think we're going to, we're going to try to start submitting, uh, some anonymous questions now. Um, if you have any recommendations for the podcast, keep those coming in. Uh, tell me what you, what you like, what you don't like. I do think I'm getting a little bit more serious about doing like a book club. Uh, I think what we're going to do is I'm going to decide what book we're going to read. I'm going to give you a whole month to buy it and to start reading it. And I'm going to make sure that you can read it within a month and we're going to progressively go over that book. So I'm thinking December is when we're going to start that. Um, it'll be a book. I think the book is going to be the comfort crisis, but don't go buy. Well, go buy the book, but don't go buy it just because of this. I haven't decided it yet, but it's going to be a book that we can read progressively throughout a month at a, like a 10 page a day rate and uh, go through that book and, and dive deep into what they're saying and, and do kind of a little bit of analysis on that. So if you're down for that, be expecting that. Like I said, I'm gonna give you a whole month to buy the book. You can save a dollar a day and buy the book. So you have no excuse, um, not to do this, not to do this book club. You can do an audio book. I don't give a damn. Um, whatever. I think it's going to be more valuable in the reading form, but I do think we're going to do that. If you have any other recommendations for me, let me know. And lastly, again, if you know anything about audio, I'm a big monkey when it comes to this stuff, help me out. Um, I know our audio sounds pretty good for just starting out, but I know it can get better. And I've yet to find anybody that knows more about it than what I've been able to find on Google. So thanks guys. And, uh, tune in for the next one. Appreciate it.